0: Everybody and welcome to a new episode of the Min Max Show podcast. Place about games, friends getting better. My name is Ben Hanson. Thank you all for being here. Joined by old wide awake Kylie Hilliard. Hello, wide awake. Also joined by Jeff Markeyfava. I am also awake. And we have Janet, the world traveler Garcia. Welcome, Janet. I'm wide awake. Take it away. Y'all remember that song? I don't know that song. No.
1: Really? Someone in, in the on YouTube. Tell me if you know that song.
0: Okay, just based on that one. Sentence uh-huh. song? Okay. Yes, 3,000%. Do you all... I uh, I know I'm a dork, and that's what this podcast is about in a lot of ways, and I apologize for this being a dorky place to talk about games, friends, and getting better, but I have a, a list in my phone of, like, karaoke songs. So if I'm just out in the world and I hear a song, where I'm like, I never would have thought of that in a million years for a karaoke song, but I think secretly it might be kind of a really fun song just to, like, surprise, everybody! And no one would see it coming, but everybody knows the words. And I was in a gas station this morning, and the song was, like, the perfect surprise stupid karaoke song which is matchbox 20's 3 a.m
2: <laughs> where it's yeah, like we yeah. all that go?
0: um it's 3 a.m i must be alone. there we go i think it'd be fun because it's am i wrong kyle you probably know 80 percent of the lyrics to that freaking song
2: yeah that's all a good one right. honestly. thank you
0: thank you so much thank you so much it's kyle. a good
2: list you have there i've seen it before i've, I've been privy to it
0: still um number one karaoke wow. song that for exclusive me exclusive content Ooh new show plus we don't sing karaoke we just build a karaoke list hypothetically um but still number one karaoke song for me and it's not in all machines but when it is it's it's a godsend it's nightmare before christmas is what's this it's it is so fun it's basically like boring white guy rapping it's so fast and it's like an easy tone to hit with my voice it's the best Um, But but hey, we're not talking about karaoke in this episode We're talking about The Last of Us Part 1 Remake from Sony Coming out this week, we've been playing it We will share our thoughts Then, you know, you can judge whether or not These are connected, then we'll be talking about the remakes That we're actually desperate to see In the game industry, then we're going to talk about uh, I just wrote down Game of the Year But I think that stands for Pac-Man World Repack, the big remake of that PS1 (laughs) platformer, then we're talking Tiny Ken, which is a mix between Pikmin and Chibi-Robo, if you want to be specific uh curse to golf ooblets and then we're going to be joined by a very special guest a developer some would say to talk about the teenage mutant ninja turtles new collection the cowabunga collection let's dive in the weeds on what it's like to bring those old games back to life and then back half of the show we have a ton of very wonderful questions submitted by the community over there on patreon um janet how's it feel to do remote content again here after your big week in minneapolis
1: um I don't know, I haven't had time to process anything, and I'm already leaving again, so I'm good, I think I'm it is. as good as I can be
2: it in is the and are you my schedule are you ready to reconsider your review of the juicy Lucy?
1: <laughs> oh, um, honestly, you know, I was surprised that like people people were quick to just slander Matt's. they think mass didn't bring the cheese sauce. I don't know, I can't comment on that I only know what I, where I was taken. But people okay. are saying that they don't think they can control the temperature of the cheese inside the burger, which is a very bold claim to make. I'm not making it. I'm just relaying what the community has told me based on my review.
0: That's slanderous. Uh, But yeah, if you're confused about what we're talking about, um, if you missed last week's episode, this is your first episode. Thank you for being here. Um, This last week, we sent Janet from L.A. to Minneapolis and gave her a big whirlwind tour of all the the high highs and the low lows of Minnesota and Minneapolis, um, including Juicy Lucy, which is kind of our signature burger and all that stuff. But we made a big old travelogue that's up on Ben Max's YouTube channel. You can always check that out. Um, It seems like people really like it. It's a very flattering thing just to spend four days just shoving a phone in Janet's face and Sarah Pazursky's face and Leo's face. And then the end product is everyone's like, oh, this video is actually really heartwarming and great. Um, so it's it's nice. You watched it with your family, Janet?
1: Yeah. I, I would have watched it with everybody, but my brother was at work. Um, everyone liked it. It was fun. We've watched a bunch of these kind of things because I usually, I usually I'm the one recording it. Um, so it was interesting seeing someone else, but then I'm in it. So it's like seeing... <laughs> I actually feel like I got more out of it even though like you would think there's nothing else to get out of it because I lived it but just the way it was cut together or like um there's, you know, no spoilers for the vlog if you haven't seen it, but there's a moment uh, throughout the vlog, y'all are like, okay, no, she likes this, she doesn't like this, whatever. Right. And there's a moment where, like, I'm eating something and I'm like, oh, yeah, this is really good. And I had no idea that behind me, Sarah was like, okay, yeah, we got it. <laughs> we got it. Time. We got to win, you know? And she was so excited. It was really cute. Um, so, yeah, I, I had fun watching it, even though I loved it. And people seem to be enjoying it um, who didn't live it. So go check it out if you haven't. it's I'm surprised you cut it down so short, too, to just yeah. three minutes off the... Four plus hours, um, which, of course, you can check out if you're on the $10 tier on Patreon. The full, the Hanson cut is what people are calling it.
0: Yeah, everyone's talking about it. Yeah, so it's the actual video is like 38 minutes, and then we have the extended edition, which you can watch, which is basically just all the unedited footage we shot over the weekend. So if you just want to sit back. Two
1: hours of the mirror maze, you know.
0: <laughs> it really feels like it. But yeah, that's nearly four hours of the unedited version of the entire travelogue, but it's nice to see people diving in the weeds and that fun stuff. So it's it's dorky stuff, but I enjoy it. Um, Hey, The Last of Us Part 1. From Naughty Dog and Sony. This thing is out on Friday. A heads up that Sony provided us codes for this sucker so we can check this out on PlayStation 5. Um, I have played a bit. I have obviously played Last of Us before. Uh, I'm very curious to jump into this thing. I know we've talked about it a couple times on the podcast, even back when it was first leaked and Jason Schreier we had on the podcast to kind of talk about the bizarre history of this project. But now it's officially a Naughty Dog remake coming out here this Friday. Um, who do we start, Jeff? Who do we who do we ask first about what they think about the remake for The Last of Us Part One? Now that it's in our hands, Janet. Janet, how say you on this final of products?
1: Wow, what a weird way to ask that question. I don't know. <laughs> um, it. Well, spoilers. The Last of Us One still a fantastic game. I don't think we necessarily needed to be reminded of that. Um, I think what's unique to This remake is a lot of times a remake specifically where you're doing ground up often. I think in our era, many times like retooling elements of the gameplay, usually because, you know, a lot of games maybe have weird control decisions or like, you know, graphically, they're not quite there. I think what's unique to Last of Us in this scenario is like the reason it's not a mind blowing remake is because time was not only kind to the last of us but also it kept getting these remasters periodically per generation so we don't really have that same ability of oh i feel like it's a a fresh way to play it necessarily because the gameplay aged great because it was great from the jump i played the um ps4 remaster as my first time playing it i played that back in like 2020 i think like right before last of us 2 came out whatever year that was and I like totally loved it. Thought it was a masterpiece. It remains that today. Yeah. Um. I do think obviously because it looks nicer and I think there maybe was some sound retooling and stuff. This is the best way to play Last of Us 1. Um, <laughs> also, there's, you know, right. accessibility stuff where some people maybe genuinely couldn't really play Last of Us 1 the way it was before. And maybe some accessibility things may make that easier. The trophy list is better. You don't have that try hard like difficulty trophy anymore. But ultimately, like, You know, when I told my brother where he has started this game many times and he's like partway through the PS4 version, I think he can just finish it on PS4. I don't think he needs to, like, buy this and restart it. Um, But I'm having a good time playing it. You know, again, it's still a great game, but that's sort of my big takeaway is playing this game was a lot of spot the difference in the game. Like I spent my first like hour of this game playing with a YouTube walkthrough pulled up and literally pausing it and being like, okay. that's so good. What do we... What's going on here? Oh, there's more... There's, like, art on Sarah's headboard that wasn't there before. But, like, is that moving the needle And what your big takeaway is? I would say no. Yeah. But it was, like... If you're not, like... If you were playing this game maybe every year, you'd be able to feel some of the differences a little bit more vividly, and there are, like, some fun things with... um They made the crafting, like, the, the weapon, craft like, upgrade animation the same as, like, it is in Last of Us 2, and, like, the general crafting has, like, some UI updates... It's a nicer version of what we already had essentially
0: yeah you know i uh, i played it and was like yes this obviously looks better it wasn't until of course like all things on the internet you really see digital foundries video where they released a, a video on wednesday where they broke it down and and especially you know they had the comparison that i wanted to see of like showing this footage versus the ps3 footage where it's like okay clearly this is a huge jump but then you know they broke it down showing the PS4 version, and then I forgot that they made the PS4 Pro technically. They made a big overhaul for that as well. So there's been so many little jumps here, but actually seeing those comparisons side to side, that was the most eye-opening thing that I've had, more so than playing the game (laughs) was like actually watching Digital Foundry's video of like, okay, let's actually look at the faces. Let's look at the lighting here. Um, And they brought up a a very good point of how it's real-time cutscenes with this version, whereas before it was kind of baked videos for all of that. Um, And the biggest thing, it's like the most obvious thing, and it's weird that we all kind of overlook it with kind of Naughty Dogs from an earlier generation here, but like cutting to black before and after each cutscene, which would happen, I believe, in Old Uncharted and then for sure in The Last of Us, even the PS4 version of The Last of Us. The fact that this is now seamless and we don't have that really obnoxious cut to black, like that's a big game changer. Obviously saying, hey, that's worth 70 bucks is a stretch. You know, yeah. like that's, that's the thing that a lot of people are going to get hung up on. But Kyle, what do you think of this thing so far?
2: Well, it, it's funny to me that you bring up the cut to black thing because yeah. right before Uncharted 4 came out, uh, I I interviewed Druckmann and that was like one of his things that he was excited to talk about in Uncharted 4. Oh, sure. Like, We're not sure. cut to black anymore. No more cut to black. It's all seamless. And you hear that and you're kind of like, okay, sure. But when it, it does make a difference, like oh, it yeah. does make it feel more seamless. But yeah, I mean, my big takeaway is like, I don't know that it necessarily justifies its existence for, like, us, right? For, like, the hardcore who pay attention to video games constantly. But for, like, the people who missed it or maybe weirdly started with Last of Us Part 2. Or maybe they didn't have a PS4 or a PS3 and they have a PS5. I kind, it's like playing it. I was like, okay, I, I kind of totally understand why this exists for that group of people. But the other... I mean, the other big takeaway for me, which is, like, what Janet was saying, was, like, oh, yeah. Like, this is really great like the opening <laughs> of that game is so good it's and like my te- my chest was like tightening all over again and like when the you know when uh I'm, you know i'm not going to spoil anything in case you never played it but just like the first i don't know 30 minutes of that game are incredible, and it, and it looks great. It yeah, the, the, I you do. Know,
0: just real quick, like, that opening, I've played through it so many times at this point, and it still always gets me, and just, like, the yeah, totally. little lines that that main character has for that opening always destroy me, because they're so smart, and just, like, quick little interjections where she just goes, like, I saw him this morning... And where she goes, like, we should have helped. And then just real quick, like, those people are on fire. It's just, like, these really quick flavor moments that pop so hard. Or even just, I forgot. And, you know, this is uh, revealing my hand that I primarily just played the opening of this game. I didn't get that far. But, like, just, like, those smart little details of, like, seeing the card um, that she got Joel in the beginning. And it's all, like, through this lens of explaining like how he's a great dad but also at fault a lot where she's like i love you dad happy birthday even though you're not around that much and you don't like the movies that i like but it's all just like oh that is such if you just need a character quick way to understand this relationship like finding that birthday card that's kind of backhanded is just like god damn that was so smart Bold yeah, for the
1: backhanded birthday card though also um in the original game when she checks the phone it's two fifteen a.m but in the new one, it's one forty-eight a.m. So I'm like, what's with what hmm. that change? Like, there's a lot of, like, little, like, fun, funky... Cha- like, there's no rug in the new one. It's, like, underneath mm. the, the kitchen table. And I'm like, what's... Or there is a rug where there wasn't one. Like, I was I was deep in the weeds. Like, my first 30 <laughs> minutes with this game, I was, like... What's on the refrigerator, you know? But, Kyle, that, you were saying?
0: The time is kind of like... I have something to say first, Janet. I was going to say the time of the clock, that's like Spielberg with uh, the walkie-talkies and E.T. Like, they just needed to change it. You know, it's been driving Druckmann wild. Oh, you're an E.T. Diff-
2: expert now, are you, Ben? A bit Ooh. of an E.T. <laughs> expert.
1: If, if to we want to go, de- go deep, though, really quick on this very not-significant thing, um, which was a lot of my first, like, 30 minutes of this game, um, the wallpaper has also changed. He cha- they changed it to a oh. picture of Joel and Sarah instead of, like, the forest. So I do think... While it doesn't, you know, oh, now I see this conduct totally differently. I do think it's kind of cool the light little changes they made yeah. in those ways to kind of like, almost like they got to know their own product more and like made these little tiny little tweaks, which
2: yeah. is cool. Yeah.
0: Kyle, will you please I, the, the fours? The one thing I was going to say actually, the I, other thing is the soundtrack. I forgot how
2: good these soundtracks. <laughs> okay, was now you're just track. trolling Kyle at this
0: point, right? <laughs> <laughs> like,
2: come on. All right, go no. ahead. Uh, only thing I say, I, I, to to help. It would, I would have been like more excited, I think, if it did give me the PS3 visuals to switch back to.
0: That would have been interesting.
2: Like I, I do really like that feature in, in these types of games. Yeah. And it does weirdly, it will make you appreciate it more when you can switch back and forth. Because the game, it, you know, remakes are great at making you see a game how you remember it. But like when you play this one, you're like, I'm I'm like 99% sure this is how good it looked when I played it on PlayStation 3. Um, but it's, uh-huh. then it's like I see screenshots online putting stuff side by side. And that's when you're like, oh, no, it is more significant than you realize. Yeah, the part that got me in the Digital Foundry video was like
0: seeing Bill's face back to back with even the PS4 Pro version. Where it's like, oh, my gosh, that is that is huge. Um, and I think. I think there's going to be, you know talk about going back to this game and remembering how great it is. I think there's going to be an audience that is going to be into the HBO show. It's probably going to land pretty well, I'd imagine. It's coming out, is it later this year, I think? Um... But I'm, I am jealous of those people that are watching the show and they're like, oh, this is based on a game. Maybe I'll check out the game. Might be an interesting little academic exercise. Then they jump into the game and they're like just hit in the gut by like, God, this still works. You know, like I think people will be surprised if they're just going back into the game based on the show. So I'm I'm excited for them. And also, I think the part that might get overlooked when this uh, remake is being criticized, which I understand the Internet has lit itself on fire in both directions here. Um, for a Naughty Dog game? Yeah, exactly. But no, I think the big thing is, even though it doesn't have a date as far as I know, but the fact that this version will be coming to PC, like that is going to be huge. I think that's in and of itself the a reason for are this to be exist. Wild. Yes, I know. I can't wait to also, see. It. When are
1: they putting Joel in Fortnite? That's a great my question, question. While
0: playing this, oh, I can see, I could see Naughty Dog being the studio that's like. Mm-mm. We're above that. Like, we're not. Wait, hang on. Nathan Drake. Drake's no, in there. They have
1: Nathan Drake. Yeah,
0: me, but they're like, okay, but uh, Joel is sacred. You know, it seems a little bit different. Kratos is like, in there.
1: Are people who don't know these characters even going to realize they're different characters?
0: Yeah, I don't know. Um, but yeah, any other big thoughts on the Last of Us Part 1 remake? Is, is everyone just in the camp of like, don't buy it if you don't want it? I guess we're happy to exist, but it's not exactly making me lose my mind
2: on the couch here. I'm glad it exists. I I don't think it's offensive in that way. I think it's great. If if you haven't played Last of Us 1, like, and you have a PS5, 100% this is the one to play, for sure. Yeah. But if you played it on PS4 recent, like, in the last two or three years, like, I don't know if you're going to get a ton out of it. I will
1: say, I and I didn't finish it, this, like, the re... The remake version. I've played it before, but I'm. I think I'm about six hours in. Which, granted, I did spend my first like hour painstakingly like <laughs> making my that. own like janky version of Digital Foundry, where I'm like, let me just put this on my TV and shout at my family to tell me, oh, there's stickers on her lamp this time, and there weren't before, and there's crayons on her table, and there weren't before. You know, um, after doing that for like an hour, I'm around the part of um, when the I mean, like at the hotel, like the hunters area. Um, and I do think like and Barrett Courtney, I shot to Barrett Courtney over at kind of funny point this out in our Slack channel. And I'm like, I think Barrett nails it here. There are the stalker introduction in this game, I do think is better. I think the way that they move and are animated does make them feel like a distinct type of infected in the way that the first game did not. To the point of when stalkers showed up in Last of Us 2, I was like, oh, wait, yeah, they were in Last of Us 1. They just kind of felt like runners that made different noise or like you couldn't see as well or something. Right. So I do think that. There are a few moments um, that do feel a little bit significantly elevated. Um again, I don't think enough to where you need to run out and get it, but I will also just say, like, Shot to the fact that this game is like really freaking good. Cause it is, <laughs> especially having played some games that, you know, not every game's a masterpiece, right? And I think replaying this, I'm like, oh my God, they totally, and the mixing, the sound mixing is better in this version. They nailed the sound design so freaking well. Mm-hmm. The OST slaps, we've already known that. But even like the subtle way they bring in the music at certain parts, very low. Like there's a, one of the first like, uh, move the plank for Ellie moments in, like, the abandoned, like, bougie hotel. Like, you're walking up the stairs, like, alone, like, near the coffee maker, and they, like, very subtly, like, bring in the OST at the bottom. And it's just, like, this This reminded me, and y'all mentioning the fade in, fade out, like, I was thinking about how seamless the cutscenes in the gameplay are, so I didn't, actually, it didn't register with me as a player that that was because of a way that they changed it, but it did hit, like, I felt it, but I didn't realize that that was retooling on their end. So, I will say, like, you... Not you'll be surprised because you know it's good, but like I think really playing it and really thinking about it and spending time with it, I was like, man, like this game is still very much a masterpiece, and this is what like masterpiece gameplay and game design looks like. So many things are smart, the way your companions kind of tell you what to do. Again, we've all experienced it before, but I think it was sort of a reminder of what game design mastery looks like. Um, and it didn't make me, I think like last of us one a little bit more in the sense that i think of back at last of us one and i think of how much better last of us two is but at the same time i do feel like it's that jack one jack two thing for me of like i find the second one to be better but the first one, like, is kind of more fun, nostalgic to play. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm enjoying going through. I know it so well. I know when winter's going to hit and that's going to be crazy. Like, it's... There, there is a fun to the familiarity of it. I, again, none of this is to say that, like, oh, my God, this totally, like, met my dreams or anything, but... Um, that was something that, like, I didn't necessarily expect to feel. Also, the trophy list is better, so I'm going to get the platinum okay. on this
0: one. All right, that sounds fun. good. <laughs> That's impressive. Yeah, I think um, I, I I hear you. Like, playing this again, it makes me appreciate, I think, what the team pulled off when they released it back in 2013, right? The fact that, like, they could call their shot um, and just say, yeah, we're going to kind of make the prestige TV yeah, but we're going to make it into a game, and it's going to be subtle, and it's going to be nuanced, and the fact that they pulled it off as well as they did is unbelievable. Obviously, they had a uh, gigantic budget and a ridiculously talented team over there at Naughty Dog, um, but, you know, like, we got to visit Naughty Dog, um it's like, Tim Turry and Brian Vore and I for the Game Informer cover story for The Last of Us Part 1, and, like, going to that studio, being the first to see, like, this extended gameplay of The Last of Us, and they're like, yeah, we're kind of... We were inspired by No Country for Old Men. We want to make a game like that. And I was like, (laughs) good luck, everybody. That cannot be done. It's like, okay, you know what? They're nearing that territory with parts of The Last of Us. Um, And it's just amazing to see the rest of the industry kind of still struggling to catch up to even where Naughty Dog was in 2013, you know? Still, a couple things. Happy that the team did this. It gives a lot of talent at Naughty Dog, the ability to, you know, learn PS5 tech, get new skills, all that fun stuff. Also, it's still nonsense that they call this a remake built from the ground up. Like, that. I mean, it is s- literally
1: that. Like, I get no, what you it's mean. Not. No, it's not-, it's
0: not. It's not built from the ground up. That is something else completely entirely. It's just what they're trying to ram down your throats with the messaging, but it's bullshit. Like.
1: I mean, did they not, like, redo the. I mean, like, it's by definition built from the ground up. No, it is I mean, de- by definition it, not
0: but- built from the ground really? up. Is it not? No, no. Rebuilt from the ground up is like a Resident Evil 2 type of thing. It's like using no assets, but the fact that they're using all the old animations, they're tweaking it here and there, tweaking camera movement here and there, and they're redoing assets here and there, but it's not rebuilt from the ground up. That is a also, is Kyle frozen,
1: name. or is he just like really into Okay. He's it really into
0: this conversation, yeah. All right, so the Last of Us Part 1. Make your call. Curious to hear feedback from people who are playing it for the first time, all that good stuff. Um, but you know what? Every time... People talk about the Last of Us Part 1, and especially when it was announced, it's like, why, why are they doing this? There's so many other games that we want to be remade that are in, like, desperate need of a remake. And so we came up with a couple of picks from each of us about games that deserve a remake at this point. Um, not to bash Last of Us Part 1, you can make your own call on that, but things that were, were in more desperate need of a remake, which, I don't know, Jeff, how do you think about this process from trying to think of, like, what needs a remake? Like, what are the, what are the big key um, pillars for, like, needing, needing the full overhaul here?
3: You know... This one was hard for me because I, I, I think maybe it's because I missed the PS1, PS2 era. Like I, I wasn't <laughs> right. playing those PlayStation games, and that seems like the prime, the the prime candidates for games that uh, kind of want this. But I guess for me, I took it as kind of I thought of it through the lens of. Final Fantasy 7 remake of like, yeah, these were interesting games. They probably weren't as good as they could have been because of the time that they were released. And I want the developer to go back and revisit this idea and just blow the heck out of it and make, you know, something super exciting.
0: Yeah, it is. It, for me, it's like a big thing of like the tech holding back the ambition of the game. And if you, had, if you remade it, it would overhaul how we perceive this, how we play this, how we experience it. There needs to be some limiting factor, whereas, yeah, they pushed the PS3 to its limits with The Last of Us, but I don't feel like it was fully constrained and it feels like you can breathe a sigh of relief playing the new version of it or anything, you know? Um, all right, so let, let's share a couple of our picks. Jeff, Give me, give me one. Does everybody have what where was everybody at? You got like three or so were, that rough idea? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, thereabouts. There's about. There's about. Uh Jeff, yeah. home, what are you at? Give us give us a good game you want to be remade. Um
3: okay. I will start with mercenaries.
0: Mercenaries. Oh,
3: interesting. My mine mine are all weird, and I'll no, say that. I love and, it. and it's it's hard for me to divorce just the idea of I want a new mercenaries game. In, you know in nowadays <laughs> yeah. as opposed to you know like this i like if they did do a remake of mercenaries i absolutely don't want the faithful oh we updated just the graphics but you can switch back and forth between the game because they're so close you know in program right I you just, just want, want full new.
0: destruction this is what pandemics yes. open world game where it's just complete chaos out there
3: um yeah it's it also had a lot of interesting systems for the time. Like there were, I can't remember, there were like five different factions or something and they were all warring against each other and you could work for whichever ones that you wanted and that would affect your relationships with the other ones. And then you had, you know, like the whole, the the uh, deck of 52 like targets to assassinate and all of these kind of interesting mechanisms which worked well at the time, probably not as good as I remember them working. But it's it's just kind of, and maybe it's because Saints Row was so fresh in my mind, but it, it just feels like there there were some really ambitious ideas back then of like things that you could do with systems for an open world game that just have kind of fallen by the wayside. Like you could also get into vehicles of a certain faction and that would allow you to drive behind enemy lines because you were kind of they couldn't tell it was you at the time, I you know, unless that. unless like generals found you and then they could see through it and. You know, kind of like Hitman-esque mechanisms, but in a much larger, more insane open world at the time.
0: Yeah, I love it. Uh, for me, I think the game that is in most dire need of a remake—it's not so much a remake as much as it's like a liberation from the controls—is Kid. Uh, what am I? Oh, Kid Icarus Uprising. I wrote Kid Rising Hmm. Uprising. (laughs) That's not the name of that game. It's close Uh, enough. Yeah, Kid Icarus Uprising on the 3DS. Uh, Ambitious game. Uh, Sakurai is hot as hell with that YouTube channel, so they can capitalize on some of that fame by remaking this game that was just imprisoned by those controls where they had to release the separate stand to put the 3DS on so you can hope to maybe control this thing kind of like a third person shooter and actually just remaking that getting it up and running on the Switch I think that everybody would realize like oh that game rules and the writing is funny and it's got a lot of really fun systems and like you know, the push and pull of upping the difficulty and all that stuff, like so many great ideas are there, but if you want to go back to it your hands are literally going to be in pain
2: uh, after a while, which is not what you want from this thing. And I they, think, can, uh, they can throw Star Fox Zero sort of in that pile yes, too, just yep. like the bad, <laughs> the bad old controls remake and just put those two games on one Switch card.
0: I, I totally agree, yeah, I think that one's a prime candidate as well, yeah. Uh, Janet, what do you got for a game that you think needs to be remade?
1: I mean, it's never going to be. Well, first of all, I also want to say that the way we do remakes is very much, you know, there's that conversation of like, oh, why, you know, why Last of Us won? Like, isn't it? Oh, the remakes are always a game that's already good. Like, it's never, I feel like the games that truly need to be remade are never gonna get remade because no one's gonna buy them because they weren't good games. But they could, you know, like, so on that note, I wanna say, you know, shout to Recore. I would love if they remade (laughs) Recore because it had great ideas. And it would just need another pass. That's never gonna happen because that's not how we approach remakes. So, to shout out one that's like critically acclaimed but could use a a repolish, I would say Super Mario 64, which I know got a remake on the DS, but that remake was not good like i didn't Whoa. enjoy. It. i played it yeah, I there's
0: a lot of defenders out there that thing You're telling like me, that are
1: they are they on this show Yeah. hello now. my name m- is
0: kyle and oh i my liked God. You
1: like putting
2: 64 on,
1: you liked putting on that hat those hats as the different characters i did not
2: like that <laughs> putting on hats what are you talking yeah you about? had Wait.
1: to when you started the game you played i forgot what character you played as but you'd have to wear a hat to become like yeah as like you a nod. Oh well, it's a the easter egg
2: but you just switch characters you don't putting on hats, are you?
1: Yeah, you have to put on the hat to become them, I think.
2: Is that oh, right? Maybe uh, I missed stick of that ever- game. That's what I, I, I didn't lo- like about it. I actually love that re I mean, because I like that game because it was like it had the core Mario 64 game, but it also had extra stuff and you could approach it in a new way. Like Yoshi and Wario and Luigi all played differently. So you got to play in this very familiar playground with new controls. I like that game a lot. No, I'm with that you there, You did
1: have to put the hats on. You um, gotta, and, okay. Yeah, I didn't, got I didn't like being those different characters. Like I, the only thing I liked about that version was that it was another way I could play one of my favorite games and that I did like the mini games that they had Those kind cool. of ancillary Trampoline to that. One.
0: Those were super fun. But yeah, I think like um, seeing, but, seeing Mario Odyssey and like seeing the castle in that game was like, oh my God, imagine if they gave this yeah, the full tree. Yeah, Fortress and, and
2: Mario I feel uh, like col- yeah,
0: collectively yeah. the internet was in the camp of like, it seems like we're primed and ready for a full remake of 64. What do you got, Nintendo? And then they said... Yeah, we're just going to charge you money and put 64 on the Switch in <laughs> this 3D All-Stars collection. Please and you got to buy
1: it fast or you won't be able to buy right, it. Right, exactly. This is <laughs> the
0: biggest FU. Uh, but no, I think, I think that's a great one. I think that is, you're right, that is absolute prime candidate for that type of thing.
2: Uh, Kyle, what do you got, man? Uh, to stay on Janet's theme of like a game that was too ambitious and kind of fell on its face, that I actually think had cool ideas that I would like to see re-examine, uh, the 2007 Alone in the Dark was this, like, kind of junky, weird, often stupid game that right. had, like, really weird, interesting ideas. Like, it's basically an open-world game that takes place in um, uh, Central Park in New York. Oh, weird. Really? And, uh... That's fun. Yeah, and, like, it had interesting ideas about, like, how to set things on fire, and it had this whole idea of, like, your inventory was, like, your jacket, so you would, like, look down into your jacket. And, uh... It, it it didn't work. It like functionally didn't work very well, especially near the end. And the story was very stupid. But it it, it the other cool idea is it had is it like presented itself as like a, a DVD, basically, in the sense that like you could just skip to any chapter from the start, like if you wanted. Really, like you could play the last level or the last you know two hours of the game if you wanted. Uh, which I just always thought that was an interesting idea of like. Maybe it's a little weird to have it as, like, the first option. You can just go to any part of the game you want. But I've always, like, it's like, why not approach it that way and let you sort of jump around the game? I mean, obviously games do that, you know, after you beat them and they have chapter select and stuff. But a game full of interesting ideas that didn't quite work, that would be interesting to see reexamined.
0: Yeah, and you don't have any strong thoughts on them remaking the original Lone of the Dark, which uh,
2: THQ Nordic just announced? I don't have any affection for that uh, original Alone in the Dark. I guess as, like, I, as a curiosity of like, seeing the roots of Resident Evil, I, I want to check it out. I think, it's, yeah. I think it's the right thing to do, is to remake that original game. Um, but it's not one that I was like, you know, I can't wait to finally see what Alone in the Dark was like. You know? Right,
0: right. Alright, let's rapid fire through these bad boys. Jeff, what else have we got? Give us a game that needs to be remade.
3: Um, Silent Hill 2. Ooh, that's a good one. <sighs> but good. But good?
0: Okay, not that like, Yeah, the be, be, Because they
3: came out, I guess, as I was Googling these, they came out with a Silent Hill HD collection right. last gen, I guess, which I completely missed, and it was like, well, okay, I, I guess There's that refutes yeah. my theory that I super want a remake of this game that I can play on modern consoles. But, um, yes, through the lens of Final Fantasy VII, then I want them to really <laughs> blow it out and... Yeah. And you know, put their heart and soul into it.
0: Give it a silly, silly but it's budget. Konami, so I mean, who knows? Uh, speaking of Konami, um, this has been bandied about. I know it's a weird one because technically they didn't sell like Juggernauts, and there's better options strategically. If you want to be a, a boring salesperson about it, but. You don't got Kojima, but you have the roadmap right there. Remake Metal Gear and Metal Gear 2 Solid Snake for the MSX. Let's tell some of those old stories. I have that on my list too. Yeah, I want to see, like, I guess Fox Engine, if Konami's still using that in any capacity. But I want to see Solid Snake using... what an aerosol can and a lighter and burning big boss alive is like the big final battle for that thing like there's so much great potential there and you have the skeleton of what this story would be kojima sanctioned and especially if you combine those two games together i think it'd be a really cool probably shorter experience but like really just give us those same environments but in a 3d world like i think they'd be really fun just for a weird little anomaly I'd Uh, love that, yeah. It'd be sweet. Janet, what do you got? You know what I'd
1: want? (laughs) Even though it's been done a million times. I want RE1 remake, the remake of the remake. I know. Because I know that's already been touched up a (laughs) lot. But I will say, like, and again, that goes back to the... How it was done and how, like, well it inherently aged. Because, like, with... Last of Us, same deal, right? It's been done so many times, and that's part of why this one doesn't hit. Um, but Resident Evil was done so long ago, and like trying to go back to that GameCube version, oh, it's just so tanky and rough. And if you just like, totally like, like, I want like... that totally retooled. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that could happen because like, re- and I think Resident Evil is one of my favorite examples of I think a, a good use of a remake because I think they do such a good job capturing the feel that those players initially had and converting it to a modern era um, in a way that's even more one-to-one than I think Final Fantasy because Final Fantasy also is doing some like tweaks of the genre with its remake um, that people, you know, debate whether or not they like that more or less. Resident Evil is very much like the feeling of fear, but now it's modernized and you can actually feel it and play it and enjoy it in the modern day. So I guess I'd go R 1.
0: Yeah.
2: Kyle, what do you got? You want me to? I, have, I had a few. You want me just to just go through yeah, them real quick? I ra- don't have to deep, dive deep into them. Absolutely. Uh, I have Metal Gear Solid. I would still. I would almost just. I just want Twin Snakes on Switch. Like, I would be happy with That'd that. That'd be so weird. Um, but yeah. I really want I want Mega Man X2 because they did Maverick Hunter on PSP and I love that game and I always hoped that they would just jump over to the next one. Oh, they never sure. did. I hope they will someday. Um, Star Wars Shadows of the Empire for the N64 is like oh. my favorite Star Wars game. Ooh. And I. That- I can still go back to it and have a good time with it, but I understand why you know people will go back to it and, not, and, and really have a hard time with it. I mastered that game as a kid, so I know it too well. I'm too close to it. Dude, honestly, but,
0: uh, I, I like that as an idea, and I feel like there's so much damn nostalgia over that, and people over there at Disney, they seem pretty smart about how to mine Star Wars nostalgia. Like, if they made a remake of Shadows of the Empire... Do you think they'd make it level based like that or would they try and be like, OK, now we're going from Hoth to I don't know. Is it the train? I'm trying to think of like would they have to like fill in the gaps and try and make like a seamless third person adventure going from each level to each level? They probably would, right?
2: I mean, you're planet hopping pretty much every level, so it wouldn't be that weird to just have like a cutscene. Between levels. Right, right.
0: And they would yeah. try and make it a little more seamless unless just now loading level two type of thing.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, what? and there is story that happens between the levels. There's like little cutscenes, quote unquote. They even made CGI cutscenes for the PC version of it. Yeah. Um I like yeah, that. But I can
0: see them doing that, honestly. Within the next 10 years, I would bet they'll like, get something like that. The
2: question that. is like the canon of it. Like Dash Rendar's ship does appear in Return of the Jedi. Like the re the remasters or whatever you yeah. call them, and if if they're considering those remasters still canon in Star Wars, <laughs> I guess Dash Rendar still exists. So let's go. Let's go for it. <laughs> he lives. He lives.
3: Let's let's appeal it to the Supreme Court of the uh, Star yeah, Wars
0: right. Tribunal. Chancellor, um, I, here's one to throw out there. Just Legend of the Dragoon. Just let's remake yeah, Legend of the Dragoon. One. Let's see. I would love to see Sony. I don't know. Have them have a first studio make a JRPG like this, you know, obviously you could argue that Guerrilla, they're RPG developers at this point, but I would just be curious to see and just really test it once and for all, how many fans are there of Legend of Dragoon? Because everyone's screaming about it! Let's put it on the shelves, see who picks it up. Let's go all out.
2: Um, you got more though, Kyle? Um, I would like to see, I would like Ico to get the Shadow of the Colossus treatment. Ooh, interesting. Um, just straight, you know, not too fancy a remake there. Yeah. Um, and Zelda 2. I yes. would like Zelda 2 um, Link's Awakening Switch style I think would be, you know I, Well, I'd actually, I don't know, I maybe not because that toy sort of aesthetic really works for Link's Awakening because it's very dreamlike but I would I would like a uh, Zelda 2 that's more playable and looks more modern.
0: I think, yeah, making it still side-scroller but then yeah. making it a more of an action RPG, which I guess Zelda 2 is going for. But, you know, I, help me out. I remember Ben Reeves would always bring it up on the Game Informer Show podcast. Um, I don't remember the specifics, but like when we were doing the Breath of the Wild cover, we were talking to Anuma and Miyamoto, and somehow the idea came up of like, and Miyamoto even said something along the lines of like, oh, it would be fun to like give Zelda 2 the Donkey Kong Country Returns well, treatment. Was kind of, is that I how think he what he it? was
2: saying is like, take Zelda 2's sort of format. And structure and yeah. apply Donkey Kong to it in oh, a weird way, like take the okay. sort of the core of what a Zelda weird to sentence.
1: It. <laughs> I, know, yeah. I and, know. You
2: know, there could be a lost in translation situation, right? There, right, but uh, it, that's kind of what it seemed like he was saying was more like, "Yeah, we had this great sort of setup for a game, but like it would be cool to apply other Nintendo franchises to it." I was like, "Yeah, I mean, I'll play whatever you want to make, dude." Like, but I do feel <laughs> like there is an
0: audience. <laughs> like, if you were to take some of the, oh, god forbid. But if you made a Zelda 2 remake and made it more of like a Soulsborne, I feel like there is a weird overlap in that community that would really get into that.
2: Yeah, I think so. Yeah.
0: Um, all right. We have plenty more remakes to get to in community questions. A lot of people submitted some great suggestions. But let's get to the the almighty, the one and only remake that we need here, uh, Pac-Man World Repack. <laughs> if you recall uh, when we had our six-shooter game duel challenge episode a while ago you all laughed at me for choosing pac-man world repack as one of the games i you wanted shot to play all
3: six of your shots i shot Pac-Man. everything yeah, i did had the clip, it was i need kind of graphic, the honestly.
0: pack <laughs> and now we've got it and now that it's taken the world by storm who's laughing now huh who's laughing him did we all I'm play still, i'm still like, having a good hearty chuckle here <laughs> did we all play pac-man world repack Yes. 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 I love it. Um, I I played about the first hour. This is a remake of the PS1 game, which I was always curious about, and I always looked at that box art and I was like, ah, maybe at some point I get into it. I <laughs> look. This is not a stunner of a game, but Janet, I see your expression, and, and just let me get it in there. I thoroughly enjoyed my time with this stupid simple 3D platformer mm-hmm. in the remake, and also it, this is.
1: I want to go last. <laughs> Built from the
0: ground up uh, for this uh, remake of this thing. Um, but it, it kind of feels like that Klonoa of like, look, if you want a nice, simple platformer uh, with some I, fun ideas a in rude here. It's to
1: compare it to Klonoa, I feel like. It's,
0: <laughs> it's, no, it's no Klonoa, but ballpark for Bandai Namco of just like, you know what? I'm having some good gaming pleasures out of this sucker. You can turn into Metal Pac Man just like Metal Mario from 64. You can do a little spin dash just like Sonic. There's an evil guy called. Talk man is kind of everything you okay. need. Okay, so that's my take. Is sure this is exactly what I was hoping it would be. Thirty dollars might I'm be a stretch, sorry. but I'm <laughs> I'm content. I'm so content. sorry. I'm, gonna, I'm uh,
1: myself. Y'all go.
3: Okay, thank you. Uh, I'll I'll do I'll do my take next, which yeah. is that I didn't realize it was a remake of a game. And oh that really? So much because I was <laughs> like, who? Why the hell are they making this? And who is this for? <laughs> and who Uh, thought this
0: was a good idea the answer was Um, morons in the 90s i believe
3: yeah but but now yeah it all makes sense you you nailed it you covered everything they put the sonic spin in there you got the (laughs) mario butt stomp um it was i i rage quitted it and i was i was just mystified as to as to why it was made and why you were making us play it (laughs) Um, but but now it makes a little more sense. Um, so I, and I feel better because the whole time I was playing it, I was like, I do remind myself, human beings made this game, and all human beings you really uh, hated you know, it deserve love and, <laughs> and respect. And,
1: Truly, the mark of a um, rough game when you have to start going into like digging into your morality yeah. before you start <laughs> give your
3: dick. Yeah, but but now it makes sense. Okay, they they were remaking a really old right, a really old you know bad 3d pac-man game that probably shouldn't have been made back then but hey that's way in the past who who can judge anyone from um, 20 years am ago? i drinking
1: the well, they brought their sins into the modern era I, like, okay. you could have let that
2: to,
3: true.
1: this is a
2: fine experience well, honey, yeah yeah but janet before you because you said you wanted to go last I will say I think if Hansen's here and Jeffem's here and Janet, I don't know where we'll see where Janet. Bowels of hell, no suspicions. doubt. Suspicions. I'm between jeffham and you, Hanson. Okay, like, thank you. I, I, I. I there it had a performance mode setting on Switch, which I was like, <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah, please. Platformer, uh, absolutely. And I thought it played pretty well. Like yeah. I thought Pac-Man moves pretty well. He has it's a fun ledge to grab. to turn into giant Pac-Man and eat the bad guys. Um, the the layout of the buttons was strange. Um, the, like the the uh i'm trying to uh, the the y button like isn't used or at least uh, not to the point that i found but then like the the x button like is your dash it seems like that should be closer to the jump button but whatever (laughs) um nobody's so yeah it it feels it feels pretty good it it it, it's like a locked camera old school kind of platformer i think Um, it's amazing
0: to have a platformer from this era um and the camera is not atrocious
2: because it's still pretty faithful to that original right yeah. Well, oh, but, it's just a locked... It's just you don't yeah. have any control, right? It's yeah, the God yeah. War approach. Right, you know? right. So, all right, uh, Janet, please. The- all right, Tinykin <laughs> is also a game that's available now that... No, all sorry. Right. <laughs> Janet, what do you think so of this So,
1: I know... You know, it's funny because I actually only spent like 30 minutes. I wanted to spend an hour on this. I couldn't bring myself to do the hour. I was yeah. like, nah, this is... We don't need to do all that. Um, But, yeah, this was a game that, you know, code floated around through Slack, and I was like, surely no one needs this, so I'm going to take this because Ben picked it and you know to clarify when even when ben picked him we were like what are you talking about this is like a silly pick 10 seconds later ben's like i shouldn't have picked this so
0: uh check the tape i I think i was very comfortable with my decisions
2: janet
1: so um you know was this it's almost the opposite of last of us right we already kind of knew this game was bad do we even need to play it to know that not really but i did um yeah, it's not yeah, you know, it's not a good game. It's really weird. Um, unsurprisingly, a three Pac-Man is gonna inherently be weird because Pac-Man's y- an arcade game. Um that said, not gonna lie, that opening cutscene, absolutely wild. Look yes. it up on YouTube if you've never seen it. And, like the ghosts um, make such
0: ungodly sounds like blah, 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 as they're like stealing the, like, the pac ball. It's, like, it's now. a scene of like
1: Pac people, but none of them are Pac-Man, and then like the like <laughs> ghosts are there. talking. And I was like, oh, that's surely that's Miss Pac Man. Turns out that's Pac Mom. -Mom, Didn't know there was a Pac Mom. They got the robot Pac Man. Mm -hmm. They stole the Pac Man and they're like, Pac Man's gonna be this event. And then Pac Man pulls up and then they're like, oh, snap, real Pac Man's there. Like, I thought you got real Pac Man. (laughs) Mm -hmm. This is all within like three minutes of cutscene. So, storytelling. Then we go into it and it's like, Oh, it's, like, three literal 3D Pac-Man. Like, you're eating the pellets. You can, like, eat the, you know, the main one that, like, makes you get your, like, ability. You get giant. You can tear through things. I'm, like, it's kind of weird. All right. And then it goes into just, like, regular, daggular 2D platforming where you have, like, you know, you got your butt stump. You can be metal Pac-Man. Yeah, it's very much, like, you know, platformers used to be really popular. And then with that came a lot of, like, not good platformers inherently. Pac-Man, Pre packed, whatever it used to be called, was one of those. Um, it was an instant <laughs> closed delete for me. Not gonna lie, oh. it was rough having this against The Last of Us. I kind of felt bad for Pac Man World 3 because <laughs> I was like, I was hitting the Last of Us, I was digging in. Then I'm like, okay, I gotta do an hour of Tiny Can. Dug into that, no spoilers on that. We're gonna talk about that in a second. Then I dug into Pac Man and I'm like, I think I'm just gonna go back and play more of The Last of Us. But yeah, it was an instant it- delete for me. But I will say, as a, as a platformer stan... I could see myself toxically re-downloading and playing through it. Yes. Yes. Out of, like, yes. The toxic cuz if you're a platformer stan, you know there's not a lot of platformers out there to begin with. So you're like, you're willing to play a lot of stuff that isn't good cuz you're like, I just want to jump. That's how I am at least with it. So, <laughs> yeah, but this is jump. not a good game. I think the reviews are actually too high on this game. The reviews aren't even <laughs> that were, high. They it's were bad. not high. It's a bad game. You don't need to play it. <laughs> it's not good.
3: But to to, to Janet's point though, um after I played it for like an hour and and decided to rage quit it, I I was so mad I was like I just want to go back and play more Saints Row and I played more Saints Row and I actually had a little more fun. Saints with Row it is a thousand percent a better play. game,
1: a better yeah. game than Pac-Man and World of Pac. It's not even close. <laughs> so there you um, go. Also, I- I want to negatively shout out the OST in this game. It is awful. Hang on. So You're talking about like like a steel no, 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 drums no.
0: version of the Pac-Man theme isn't doing it's it. it is yes, yeah, so variations on Pac-Man
2: music. I love it. it was, I
1: love it. It was so funny because like, I was, you know, again, it was like Last of Us, Kin, and this were like my three that I was hitting up last night. Yeah. And Kin, sports of Kin. I think the OST is like pretty, really good in that game. And then to play this, I'm like, oh, this is what a bad OST is like because it does that <laughs> thing where like all video game music is inherently going to be some degree of like there's the monotony because you're listening to it for hours in a single level depending on the structure of the game but the beauty of a good ost is that it it fades in a good way where you don't feel like you're listening to it this was like so blaring i was like instantly turning it off Instantly had to go into the settings. I was like, I can't do this. And it is some so of s- bad. Um, so, some, yeah, of us think,
0: some of us think that this is Tommy Tallarico's finest work. Um, up there with the Intellivision Amico, I think there is are Is it a Tallarico, Joey? Oh, yeah, oh, the, it's the a actual Pegman joy. OST it, is absolutely. fine.
1: But this interpretation is so... In your, it's grating. Yeah, look. It is grating okay. to hear. Hey,
0: look everybody, it's Pac-Man World Repack. You know what you get in for. I, I enjoyed it more than I expected. What are you gonna do?
1: Yeah, the uh, fact that sixty-three Metascore people aren't harsh enough on Pac-Man World Repack. I'm giving that no, like a four this, out of ten. No, at No, no, this Five world is the absolute of kind best. Souls. There's no world that's not
0: higher than that. No. People understand art when they see it. Um, hey, there's this there's this game that came out. Uh, it is on, I believe, everything, including its Game Pass for PC, but it's also on Switch. It's called Tiny Kin. One word, Tinykin. Easy pitch for this sucker. As we mentioned before, this is Chibi-Robo, in the sense that you're a small person in a big world, Jeff Cork's specialty, you're going around a house, exploring a house, combined with Pikmin, because you're going around a house, grabbing these tiny little creatures and using them to solve puzzles, move objects from here and there, battle things, change the environment. Um, Tinykin is also one that I picked for that six-shooter duel. I was really looking forward to this. Um, Started playing it only like an hour
2: in, is it just me or is this game rule?
1: It's
0: awesome.
2: I absolutely love it. And yes! I did not expect that Really? At all. Like, I think, I think it was even like, you know, the way it works here, we get some codes, you offer them up. And I think I was, you like had one left over and I was like, yeah, I guess I'll take it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was up till 2 a.m. playing this game. Wow. It totally caught me off guard. Like, and I realized, I think the, the little tiny thing that like is clicking with me so well is like, oh yeah, I, I do like Pikmin. But I've never, like, loved Pikmin because that time-sensitive nature of the game is, is consistently frustrating. It does not make—I I don't enjoy that part of the game, right? I don't like that every—you're always on a timer anytime right. you leave the ship. And this is like, okay, well, we're going to remove that entirely, and it's just going to be kind of like exploring and puzzle-solving with your Pikmin crew with you. Yeah. And it looks cool. Like, it really, I I seriously, like, I've been in a little bit of a rut lately where, like, I've been playing and enjoying a lot of things but not really intending to finish anything. Where this, it was like, oh, my God, it's 2 a.m. Like, I, this is, like, this is the most fun I've had in a game in probably, like, a month. I, I'm, like, i like, head over heels for it. I love that. Yeah, you mentioned that it looks cool. The
0: art is, is very cool. It has a kind of a... I don't know, Saturday morning cartoon type of vibe with the cutscenes, but then it's a little bit Paper Mario esque where the characters are kind of 2D in a 3D world, except they're not even, if you look at them, like there's still kind of like 3D animation on these 2D characters. It's really got a unique vibe, but also it's just like, rock solid to play from what I've experienced so far playing on steam or it feels so good and like as you go you unlock more and more abilities and you get like a soap bar that you can like slide on and genuinely real
2: quick just just to pause you right there because janet will be on board with me for that too that's something that I love in games in general that jack 2 taught me to love is like just something that you can pull out to make you go faster at any time yeah I love it yeah it's so good but like the part where it's just like really clicking in is you can unlock ability to kind of stack
0: your tiny can into a stack. So you're making like these makeshift ladders and pillars, just shooting it up, climbing to the top of those, gliding off those, like sliding on this rope with your soap bar, jumping off that. Just like the maneuverability in a Pikmin style game feels so great. And just like quality of life stuff like you just throw your tiny can on whatever the problem is and it'll figure out what color what type of tiny can you need to solve that problem and take care of it you're not like trying to manage like okay purple ones you go over here red ones but then white ones over here it's just throw it it'll take care of it um but janet you're digging it too
1: yeah it's it's amazing it's one of those games where like you know i guess i'll start with like the more negatives and then go into the many positives it's you know, not necessarily reinventing the wheel or, like, moving anything forward in a big way. Um, That said, you know, it'd be in that 8 out of 10 range. Like, I think it's a great game from the time I've spent with it. But the amount of... So that's my critical, like, review thought. But the amount of love I have for that is so much higher, higher, much like Kyle said, where it's just a game where you're like, oh, man, games can be so fun and enjoyable (laughs) and natural feeling. I think that'd be the number one feeling that I get from this game is like a natural, fun flow state Um, in that, you know, to its credit. You know, I know I mentioned that it's not reinventing the wheel, but I do think it has a lot of smart design choices. Like you mentioned, Hanson, with making it easy to accomplish things. Um, I think my favorite aspect of this game outside of the aesthetics i'm also very pro small person in big world but the big world's a normal world but it's made foreign due to your size right. i love that in games um aside from that i love that it has just such a natural flow to the exploration because it does that great thing of there are like little side quests from the characters it'll be like oh we're missing the button for the vcr but you don't need to like engage with that to accomplish it like i saw that button i'm like i'm sure someone needs this and i kind of waited to like naturally solve it um it's a game and, that just and you so, can also
2: just Janet, real quick mm-hmm. you can also just throw a you know a tiny can is out there you can just yeah. throw one at that button and they'll just yeah. carry it around for you until yeah. you're ready to use it like i just have them pick up all kinds of stuff and then it's like Same. oh that's where i need that
1: and i think that's so cool too that it's it's so clearly telegraphed i think in the coloring of the objects where they like highlight what you can interact with in terms of pushing something or carrying something. And there's like just a lot of really smart choices in the sound design of this game. The sound design is fantastic, very playful, over the top that lends itself to the cartoon aesthetic and just on a like a fun, cute level. And you can just tell that like a lot of detail went into this game. Like they really thought through all this stuff. Like when you move stuff with your tiny kin, they all go, yay! Like right. in a really adorable, playful way, like, it's it is honestly it's just fire. Like I yeah. think everyone should play it. If you like, I would say if you just like exploring worlds and light puzzle solving, that's fairly easy. Like yeah. this is like I feel like it's a must play for everybody. I, I'm loving it. I'm playing on Switch and the performance is great. Oh really? Um, I was curious maybe, about
2: that.
0: Yeah. Oh totally. wow. Yeah. The um yeah people watching the stream were like, is this a collectathon? And it, I, I'm curious to see how it stacks up there because there's like you got to collect it's a, a thousand. <laughs> Well, that seems like an Assassin's Creed or something, but like I I was collecting a lot of stuff because you're getting all the little nectar to make the the beer or whatever the hell to unlock new abilities. But it's like you're collecting things, but also it's just really fun to collect these things at this point because like, oh, it's fun to collect more tiny can around the world and then add to your crew. So it feels like you are a lot of doing a lot of collecting, but so far, at least it hasn't been like a Banjo-Kazooie style nightmare of just nothing but numbers that you need to drive up. I don't know, um, but yeah, there's a there's a free demo uh, f- available for I think most platforms. If you want to check out Tinykin,
2: yeah. is the name of also this thing. for
1: Game Pass. To clarify, it is on both console and PC.
2: Oh, nice, awesome. There we go. Yeah, totally surprised me. Didn't yeah. did I mean I I was positive going into it. I was like, yeah, this looks cool, but like really yeah. really enjoying it a lot. Yeah, like
1: she, the hour I spent with it flew by. Like yeah. I like had no notion of time or space. <laughs> like I can't wait to finish this. It's so freaking good. Yeah. Um and actually it seems weird to say i like it more than pikmin but like i'm i like pikmin but i'm not a pikmin stan like there are people that love that game to an an extreme degree and i never fully got the deep deep intense love of it even though I enjoyed my time with it right. I'm kind of liking this more but anyway oh, yeah. I, I freaking love this game
0: yeah it, it seems sweet and so yeah shout out to Tiny Builds the publisher and then Splash Team is the name of the developer they made Splasher I think is their last game from like 2017 but it's like really out of nowhere for how solid these things put together so you Tiny can tell can they I
1: named think. the thing because they had to name it then mm-hmm, they're like what are we making Splash mm-hmm. or Splash Team yep. I don't know do it
0: <laughs> freaking do it uh, Jeffem um, will you keep it down Sorry. Um, real quick, because we have a guest uh, in the wings here, but uh, you've been playing Curse to Golf, which we talked a little bit about last week, but it's the, the 2D side-scroller golf game. The Dark Souls of Golf, as IGN proudly put it.
3: This was one of the bullets that I shot at it during that uh, most anticipated Ooh. list. Yeah. Um, and it, it has it's lived up to what I wanted from it, which is a 2D golf game that's also a roguelike yeah i i love whenever whenever a roguelike can can do a really weird twist on some kind of genre other than just kind of hack and slash and it definitely um delivers on that with the one caveat that i think in terms of the overall structure of roguelikes it is it is a much more traditional one in terms of like this is you know this is like a slay the spire kind of you're going to beat your head against this problem and lose you know a dozen or two dozen times before you finally put together the one run that is going to finally break you through it um but but it's 2d golf and i love 2d golf and it's it is an insane I, i was not expecting the craziness of the levels that like when you zoom out on any given level it looks more like some kind of insane Mega Man level than it does a golf. Like you're going through transporters and all kinds of different, you know, teleportation and spike traps and all kinds of different things. Um, but it, but you, but you, you can you can actually figure it out. You have these power up cards that kind of give you one time use uh, abilities, and it's it kind of really relies heavily on that. The more that you go, and once you kind of figure those out, it's kind of like. You're working to keep your head above water the entire time. Um and and it feels balanced enough that you can do that. Yeah. I would I would say I'm playing on Switch, um, and right now I'm I'm stuck on the third boss battle because every time the boss takes its second swing, the game crashes. And oh, so, really?
2: Um,
3: I'm waiting for a Oof. patch. And like and it's it's like the fifteenth hole out of eighteen. And so I'm yeah. like, I'm not I'm not abandoning this run because it could happen the next time, as far as I know. So I'm just kind of been in a holding pattern waiting. I don't know if you know, like PC versions probably better, but um if they can get that fixed, then I'm I'm a happy camper with, with this one.
0: Real
2: happy. I, I also want to add very quickly, that game's soundtrack will be on my end of the year. Oh really? Mm. Music of the year soundtrack. So good. Fantastic soundtrack.
0: Ah, nice. Curse yep. to golf is the name of that thing. Um also Oblitz, Jeffum, you've been playing that. Uh which God, didn't you say you were a backer? Janet, way back in the day. Oh, um, I no, I wasn't a backer,
1: but I have been following it forever, yeah. um, and I did buy it at one point on Xbox. So I've been, I've been in it. I've, I've been in it for a while.
0: Yeah. So this thing's finally 1.0. Jeff, and you've been playing on Switch. Um, this was the game that yeah. Dolphine was originally publishing. Uh, what, what is this again? I, I, I started it, I think, <laughs> but I don't even remember I, what the hell I know, was doing years and, ago.
3: I was, I was trying to remember if we had done it on, like, a uh, goatee Hunt way back in the day, maybe? Or, oh, I or wonder. Th- or if that was Temtem, I couldn't remember which one, but it's it's kind of a cutesy, very positive um, Pokémon-style, Pokémon Harvest Moon kind of mashup, you know, like, right. Town Simulator, meet a bunch of characters, make lots of friends, and collect these, you know, Pokémon that you grow from seeds. But it's it's just... Overwhelmingly, just a positive, happy kind of, you know, Animal Crossing vibe to it. Yeah. To the, to the point where, when you, f- you know, instead of fighting your Pokemon, they just have or your your um, ooblets. They they just kind of have dance offs, and instead of That's like right. wearing the other person down, it's a race to twenty five points, which is always like it's a twist that you sometimes see in tabletop games too, where it's like instead of attacking each other, we're just trying to get to a static goal. And that just feels so much, so much happier. And then after once you do beat the opponent, you can go up, and they always like fart out a seed for you to plant. But then you just kind of pat them on the head and say, "Hey, you did you did a really good job. Good That's for good. you." Yeah, uh, a good memory but it's, by it's the way. It's just yeah, very look, positive vibes all around.
0: It looks like July twenty second, twenty twenty. You and Leo and I did a great goatee hunt for Ooblets, which apparently I'm playing, and I have very little memory of this. But yeah. yeah, do you think you're going to stick with Ooblitz? Yeah, I I think I'll keep on playing it yeah. and I'm sure
3: at some point um my wife will take over and just like completely annihilate the game. Oh, it. that's nice. Because it falls into that farming vibe that she likes so much.
0: So. Yeah. That's sweet. Uh Ooblets, everybody. Um Janet, thank you for being here. You've been a real champion over the last week. My god. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um do you want to clap out and before you do um do you want to make sure that you have a good time at PAX
1: sure how do I do that part do I just just Uh, will it into
0: that's time travel just good thoughts good thoughts yeah I mean you're doing a freaking panel at PAX
1: yeah oh yeah I should probably tell people that um so I'm doing a panel at PAX West uh which is happening on September 4th Sunday September 4th at 2 30 to 3 30 p.m. PT in Horse Theater Shout to Sarah. In Horse Theater (laughs) at the Grand Hyatt Level 1. It's called Indie Discovery. Um, It's going to be me, uh, Jenny Wyndham, Mary Kish, Cam Hawkins, all talking about upcoming indie games that you should be excited for uh, with a light focus on ideally having most of our picks be from the show floor as well. So they're games that you either maybe just played or could play while you're there. uh, You know, touching on things like how we find new indies to be excited about, things like that. It's going to be a lot of fun. Check it out. It's on my pinned tweet on Twitter. It will also be streamed on Twitch if you cannot be there live. So yeah, and if you're going to PAX and you see me, say hi. um, That's it. But yeah, I'm I'm very excited to go. I got appointments lined up. Also, the hell of uh, scheduling your own appointments. I was like, normally someone would be like, here's what you're doing, and I'm like, cool, and that's it. I was like, I miss having someone do that because doing it myself was less exciting but i got some (laughs) appointments and i'm i'm very excited to play a bunch of games
0: awesome all right curious to hear your report all right you want to clap out there, janet thank you for being here chris kohler welcome to the show sir Yes, thank you for having me. It's not to have you. Um people probably might maybe know you. You've been everywhere in the games industry. Oh gosh.
4: Yeah, true. Well, it, you stay in it long enough, you end up you end up pretty much everywhere.
0: Yeah, it is. You are one of those people that's just like, well, Chris Kohler, that's just a go-to name in the game industry, but I was really trying to unpack like why? Like I heard you on the video game history, you know, <laughs> why on the, earth? No, the video game history <laughs> hour podcast you're on not so, too Chris, long ago. Talking talked about like Final Fantasy V, right? Was that your episode? Yes. Okay. Yeah,
4: yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, I kind of, well, I mean, final, yeah, me and Final Fantasy V go back a long ways because that I was that. the first, in, in, back in 1995, I imported a copy of Final Fantasy V because I had, you know, Final Fantasy II and three on the Super Nintendo. It was like, what is this missing Final Fantasy, you know, that, oh, yeah. uh, that I keep hearing about, you know? So I did that and then... Um, And then I ended up, you know, many years later in 2017, writing a book for Boss Fight Books about um, the experience of like importing, you know, like back in the day, like in the mid 90s, basically, like there's no there's practically no emulators, you know. So you had to like, you know, import a game. And now I don't know Japanese. How am I going to get through it? That sort of a thing. Um, And so that's why I was there talking about Final Fantasy V. But yeah, that that kind of like started my career also because I ended up... um, writing about Final Fantasy V for a very short-lived uh, magazine that was called Game on USA, and it was all about Japanese uh, video games, like, in America. and You know, I, I and that. then and then from there, just, just sort of spiraled. Yeah.
0: It spiraled, where you freelanced all over the place, and then you were at Wired for how long?
4: I was at Wired for a long time. I did my first freelancing for Wired in, like, 2002. Um, it was a review of uh, Wind Waker on the GameCube. Mm-hmm. and um, And then that, by 2000 and five, that became, um, there, like the Wired was expanding its website. It was adding these things called blogs to the website. It was like, you know, it was when it was when like Kotaku and joystick were starting up and it was this idea like, Oh, let's, you know, let's get a ton more content onto the website. And, um, I was like, great. Um, I'll, I'll edit the the video game section. And I sort of pitched like, this is, you know, this is what I would do with video games on wired.com and, um, got, essentially hired as a contractor to do that in 2005 and was there until running Game Life, which was the the video game section of Wired, until yeah. 2016.
0: Yeah. How do you feel like Wired's doing now for its video game coverage? Yeah. Are, are they... Are they trying to ramp up? I feel like they're always in a state of trying to ramp up or trying to ramp down. What's going on? (laughs) Well, they shut it all down and then they're like,
4: oops, you know, they're like, oh, we don't want to do video games. And then a couple of years later, they're like, oh, whoops, we actually do, you know, video games are actually a, you know, very vital area of coverage for us. So they started with wired... Games again, and I, it's, it's not as, um, it's not as, um, it's not as robust a section as it was, just in terms of, like, number of, of articles, but they're, they're approaching it in a sort of a, um, seems like they're approaching it more of in a sort of a service journalism type way, like, not only, like, what hardware should you buy, things like that, but also, um, just, just trying to, um, uh, Kind of, I, I, it seems like they're they're always trying to carve out a different area of coverage that other people aren't doing, mm-hmm. uh, and do it in a way that reflects the Wired of right now. I haven't paid too close attention to it, unfortunately.
0: Sure, yeah. Uh, Aaron T. Watching us live at the Backstage Pass here, uh, they say I absolutely loved Chris's complete inbox series at Kotaku when you are at Kotaku for all those years. So that was super
4: fun. That was something where I was just like, I want to do something about, well, I mean, you know, it, the, the idea behind that was, you know, we covered classic games, but we, we weren't just like playing the ROM essentially. Um, and it was like, I'm going to actually make sure we have a, a complete copy of this game and we're going to open it up and look at the box and the manual and all the stuff that it came with. And we're going to do that. And we're going to use that to illustrate that um, cause a lot of people, you know, today they're like, oh, I played super Mario brothers, but like, it's like, you didn't have that experience of like reading the manual before you played super Mario brothers and sort of getting primed for all of like the, the stuff about the story and things like that, that were yeah. in the manual that got you ready to play that game. And even Nintendo understands that because when they re-release, you know, like the NES classic and stuff like that, they made the manuals and things like that available online. You know, it's important to have that stuff. And so I wanted to, um, show people these things that and this dovetails right into Kaobunga collection of my work at digital eclipse right you know we wanted to make sure i wanted to put that context around um you know not just present a game rom but you know have the full context that you would have had um when you bought that game back in the day
0: yeah i mean this is this is the huge accomplishment here with uh the Teenage and Ninja turtles the cowabunga collection uh, out this week um I streamed this thing I just jumped into it Like yeah I'll jump around To some of those old games Because how many You want to run down The games real quick Not to put you on the spot But what, what's all in this Oh yeah structure? sure
4: So for the NES the, the So the four NES games Ninja Turtles Ninja Turtles 2 The arcade game 3 Manhattan Project And then Tournament Fighters On the Genesis There's Hyperstone Heist And then the Genesis version Of Tournament Fighters On the SNES There's Turtles in Time And the SNES version Of Tournament Fighters There's three Game Boy games Which are Fall The Foot Clan Back from the Sewers And Radical Rescue And then of course The two arcade games Which are the t- Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle and then Turtles in Time, the arcade version. Love 13 it! 13 games too many. plus the 11 Japanese, ver- it is way too many, because then we also <laughs> had the 11 Japanese variations of those games as well, so it's really 24 games if you want to call it that.
0: It
2: is mind-boggling. Well, I, I, yeah, I want to tell you my experience just a little bit with yeah. it, because I love uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 Back from the Sewers, the Game Boy game, the second Game Boy game, because it was like one of my first Game Boy games, right? I had that and like Mario uh, Six Golden Coins and Tetris. And so I downloaded it and I was like, well, this is the niche. This is the niche one. Like, this is for me. I went and played it and beat it. And I was like, surely they don't have anything for this one. Right. I mean, this is like the most minor <laughs> one. And I was like, honestly blown away that I was like, oh, my God. They. Ha- I remember looking at this booklet as a kid. I remember the book. You guys have like concept art for a Game Boy Ninja Turtles sequel game yeah. that I, I since I've tweeted about it, I now feel like. You know David Cross and the rest of development, where it's like there are dozens of it's like I'm finding the people who are huge fans of that game, but like the fact that you guys went into that much detail, even for. What I felt like was one of the minor games, like really surprised me, and I was very impressed. So yeah. compliments to you guys. Yeah, yeah. Was... Well,
4: it's not it's not just about like you know just the I mean, first of all, yes, absolutely. Like every one of these games is somebody's favorite. Every one of these games is a game somebody grew up with. So that's why we really wanted to make sure every single game was in here because you know not just because people will be like, well, "Where's this game? Where's that game?" But because that you know these games um, really are special to people. There's people who didn't have consoles but they had a Game Boy, and so they put. 40 to 100 hours into Fall of the Foot Clan. Um, And then beyond that, uh, just the fact that we were able to get, as you say, I mean, all these design documents and things like that uh, from the Konami archives. we We were blown away with what Konami had saved and what they had available to us and could get to us. Um, and then, you know, to go through it all and sort it all out and, uh, you know, um, uh, add all the, the translations to it so you can really read through it. Um, even if you're not a huge fan of that game, it is a amazing window into um, the design processes, you know, that, that um, these guys at Konami used back in the day to design these eight and 16-bit games or
2: even Game Boy games. Yeah. Um,
4: you can see the, the behind the scenes. You never get to see that.
2: It's yeah, unbelievable. I can finally learn why Shredder pranced instead of walked (laughs) for whatever reason. He has this really awkward, like, (laughs) Mm -hmm. And And I finally have insight to that. As a child, I just thought I would never learn.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's the experience, is is booting up this thing and jumping around to the games and then just being like, okay, what do they have for museum stuff? And it is just on another level. It is unbelievable. Again, too much. Yeah, and then it also has comic books, like the entire, like every... TMT show, and I was like, "Hang on, are they gonna have the full yeah. episodes in here?" It's like, "Okay, but these, they have stills <laughs> from all the seasons." But were, yes. were you pushing for the episodes, or you want to talk about like the no, limits? No, that of- was
4: that was something. So we wanted to have the screenshots. So the idea is, and what really ties this all together is, so yeah, there's like nearly two thousand, um, uh, you know, individual elements that are in the the turtles' lair, which is the museum for this game. Yeah, and um, there's to be to help you find all of that stuff. There's a search feature, um, and so you can actually. You can you can click radio buttons in the search feature, and you can you can say I want to I want to find all of the uh, magazine advertisements for sixteen bit games that feature April O'Neil, and it'll it'll <laughs> all right, basically Creeper. it'll and right. it'll, it'll pull that right up for you. Yeah, exactly right. Um, and it'll pull that right up for you. And the best part about that is that all of the all of the 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 individual show screenshots and comic book covers are involved in this as well. And what that means is, okay, great. Um, now you can compare. So if you want to look up the character Rex 1 from the radical or from, no, from Ninja Turtles 2 back from the sewers is the robot that you have to fight when you lose a turtle and you want to rescue them and get them back. Um, you know, you can, you can now go ahead and see, I mean, not only can you find design documents for that Rex one fight, but you can see what Rex one looked like in the cartoon because that screenshot is in there. So if you want to so compare good. and contrast between the video games and the comics and the cartoons, individual characters, that's something that you can do as well.
0: Uh, you're all's work over there. I mean, it's just proof that Dorks have won. The fact that something like this can <laughs> exist and it can be so thorough, it's like, okay, you have proven that it's financially viable to pack this much dorky content of like, yeah, just old magazine scans of ads. It is just a ridiculous treasure trove of yeah. stuff.
4: And it, um, you know, it's and it's not without its cost because it's like people have to work on this stuff. We have to get paid to do it, and not only that, but you know, when we get so much stuff, it's like, okay, well, now we have to use a bigger Nintendo Switch card, you know, for the for the physical game release, really? you know, and like that that creates a cost as well. And so the important thing is, um, you know, when 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 it gets out there and the players see it and they like it and they say, oh, I've spent hours, you know, looking through this the, the Turtles Lair content, as I'm, I'm seeing people say on Twitter. You know, it's it all it it all uh, makes it worthwhile um, to have spent the literal like a lot of money. You know, in in uh, in making this happen.
0: Yeah. Okay. The part that really blew my mind. And I'm curious if you found this as well, Kyle. But uh, you can jump into all these games, and then there's an option just to watch the game being played, which. I think it's incredible, and like, you know, uh, my first thought is like, this would be kind of fun just to like put on at the background of a party. Just like, here's, here's just all these old Turtles games being played. It's going to just be a wave of nostalgia for you. But then the part that truly is mind-boggling is at any point as you're scrubbing through and playing that as just a video, you can just take the controls and jump in and start playing. And it's not like it's going to load you to that level. This is mind-boggling. How is that possible?
4: Because it's not a video. It's an it's an it's an emulator you know playthrough that's going on, and all we have to do is just sort of stop where it's happening, and then you can just take control. So um, did you guys
2: have to? Fi- did you have to find someone to like play the game through? One,
4: well, no, well I mean one of our um, one of our designers did, and the thing is, it's that we oh, all, wow. we also have we also have save and load, and we also have the rewind function. So the, the the person doing the watch mode playthroughs has access to um, rewind and save load and stuff like that. Um, actually, for on a Blizzard Arcade Collection which we did last year, Drew Scanlan actually did the uh, did the playthroughs. Oh, that's awesome. And it's awesome. like you can once you have rewind, it's uh, it makes it and that's why we love the rewind function in these games as well, is because it uh, it really makes it a lot easier to go through these games when you can uh, say, "Oops, I messed up. Let me let me rewind and, and start again." But it also it's a it's a it's a it's this like perfect playthrough that a human would it would be very very difficult for a human being to sit down and do a no hit run through on these games you right, know and, but right. but we do it so that when you do ju- it essentially it functions as like a level select i mean you know yeah. you can you can just jump to wherever you want to practice a certain area of the game and when you do that um you know you you will be there with full health so essentially you're 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 in a good position to practice that area if you want to yeah um and then yeah. you're right there is a we present these these games as you know think of this as like a coffee table book of of historical artifacts um we want to be able to just sort of let you watch the game be played through as well i mean that's sort of part of uh, of of uh, encountering it as a historical artifact as well, because um, it's 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 not um, it's it's putting too much on a person, a historian or a casual sort of observer to say, okay, here's the game. Now play through it yourself. You know, it's like to be able to look at it and see what's going on there. It essentially makes this like a a, a history book of of turtles games.
3: That's how I um, experienced the NES version of Ninja Turtles last night, because you know I'm, I'm like. Liking... An untold number of kids, you know, back then. I'm sure I I never got past the water level because it's ridiculous, and it was still yeah. ridiculous trying to play it through it last night. And it was it was just mind boggling to see a no hit run of that entire game in the first place. But then also, you know, going back because the you know the rewind feature is a blessing. But even then, I still failed that the water level the first time because there's a two minute time limit to it. Yeah. Uh, and and so I was just. Losing too much time you know as I was doing the run, but then when I played through it again, you know I could jump right into the strategy guide that has you know like the full layout to see where all the different uh, bombs are that you have to diffuse it and it was it was a it was such a weird kind of wonderful melding of remembering this thing from my childhood and actually finally being able able to overcome it and then you know i didn't I didn't play the entire thing, but then watching the rest of it you know, played by this perfect run-through <laughs> is just so awesome. For Harder.
4: a lot of people, for a lot of people, um, well, I see some people like, oh, I'm finally going to beat Turtles 1. You know, this is this, this 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 thing I've I've never been able to do as a kid. I'm finally going to do it. And for some people, it's like, I'm finally just going to beat the damn level. <laughs> like, once, I, go mm-hmm. th- once yeah. I get through that underwater
0: level, I'm good. I'm done. <laughs> yeah. How many of these kind of collections have you worked on now at Digital Eclipse?
4: Um, so this is my... Third, um, we had the Blizzard Arcade Collection, which came out at the beginning of 2021, which was like Lost Vikings, uh, um, uh, (laughs) Blackthorn, and um, uh, Rock and Roll Racing, of course. Uh, And then we did an update to um, Disney Classic Games Collection, where we added the SNES version of Aladdin into the the game that already existed, plus the Jungle Book, and that came out at the end of 2021. So I've got this, and then a couple, and a couple of months from now, in November, we're going to have Atari 50, the anniversary celebration, um, which is a it basically imagine like we take the games and we take the museum content and there's no more there's no more games in museum now it's all one big interactive historical experience where you go through the timeline um, of um, Atari essentially from the founding all the way to the end of the Atari Jaguar era basically um, and on this timeline that you're scrolling through um, you have artifacts you've you've got design documents and boxes and stuff like that but then you also have games and the games are put in the chronological place that they that they would be so even as you're sort of scrolling through the game list you're sort of learning about atari history and a lot of a lot of what that is is that with the atari games especially especially now like you know almost you know 50 years later for some of these games almost 50 years for a lot of them um you know we might want to sit down and play Ninja Turtles Radical Rescue for a few hours but like there's fewer and fewer people who want to sit down and play like Asteroids for a few hours right but if it's if it's integrated into this museum type experience where it's like this is why Asteroids is important try it for yourself pew 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 okay that was fun I'm gonna go back to the museum now and keep going I love it it essentially creates this sort of like interactive learning you know historical fun um, kind of experience and like that that's sort of like that's what we're trying to do now with um, Atari 50 and then sort of later collections as well.
0: Yeah. Do you feel like you're all moving in that direction of trying to make those more and more seamless, the distinction between kind of the gallery area and the games? Do you eventually just want to get to the point of like, we're just making documentary video games at this point?
4: Yeah, exactly. That's precisely it. And so, and you'll even see, I mean, we're going to start getting into self-publishing some stuff as well. Uh, So um, you're going to see us like, completely unfettered by uh, anybody else's <laughs> expectations and just able to do whatever crazy stuff it is that we want to do with uh, with other games and just trying many different things in, a, in an effort to sort of just rethink all the time like what these things can be.
0: I love it. I love it. I'd love to know about, yeah, talking and communicating with Konami, getting access to these old files for TMNT. What was that exchange yeah. like? How much did they save? All that good stuff.
4: So, okay. So, I mean, this, this project kind of started with, um, with Konami and Charles Murakami, our producer at Konami, he, he had worked with us on Yu-Gi-Oh! games before, um, but he was, he was very, very, um, enthusiastic. I mean, he works in the, the Konami U.S. office. Um, the previous collections, like the Contra and the Castlevania Anniversary collections had been managed out of Japan. Um, and, but Japan, I mean, Japan is not really where the Ninja Turtles are extremely popular. And so, you know, Charles and the, the the U.S. folks were kind of passing back to Japan like, hey, like, we're getting a lot of feedback. Like, people want a Turtles collection. They really, really want this. Um, and, uh, you know, Charles was very enthusiastic about um, it's got to be all the games. It has to be all the games because... Um, we, we we really, we potentially only have this one shot to do this, right? You know, because it is a licensed property. Like we can't leave anything on the table. Like it's gotta be everything. Um, And so they, uh, what kind of happened was Konami was like, okay, Charles, well, you seem very enthusiastic about this. So you you do it, you know? Uh, and so uh, he really wanted to work with us at Digital Eclipse on this. Uh, and so we were all, we were very much kind of in lockstep, you know, between us and the, the team at Konami US that it had to be everything and that we wanted just to uh, get every kind of historical piece of information that we could into this, and really make it um, a premium, you know, product. This is not yeah. this is not like a ten dollars downloadable, you know, afterthought type game. Like this is this is a this is a forty dollars, you know. There's a physical. There's a limited edition. I mean, it's it's a big AAA has a AAA marketing spend behind it. You know, it's a big thing. Um, so we so Charles starts asking around at Konami about like development materials and, um starts to hear, well, yeah, we have stuff, but it's in this, it's in this, the the, the Konami archive building, which is in Japan. And it's like a multi-hour train ride away from Konami headquarters. And also it is peak COVID when we're asking about this. There's no, nobody's vaccinated yet. So nobody's in the office and nobody's been there in a long time. And we also, we don't really know what we have. So we're planning on we were planning on, well, what if there's nothing? Like, what if we don't get anything? Right. You know, And so that's why you see so much other stuff. I actually had gone to the Strong Museum of Play in Rochester, New York, um, which has an incredible collection on just the, the history of toys and games and everything like that and industry uh, magazines and things. And I got a lot of scans and things like that from the Strong, spent a week there doing it. And it was like, okay, like we have a lot of stuff going on. We have the boxes and the manuals and the magazine ads. We have this, we have that. Um, And then we hear that, okay, somebody's going to go to the Konami archive and they're going to, you know, they're going to look for stuff. Okay, great. So Charles ends up like on a FaceTime call. Oh, because by the way, you know, Charles is not even allowed to go into the archive. Like only a a select group of people are even allowed to go in there. And I'm not on that list and he's not on that list. And yeah, it's, it's super locked down. Um so he's facetiming with somebody who's who's like allowed to be in there and they start taking down you know binders off of these shelves and opening them up and showing him like on the phone like these design documents and he's seeing him for the first time and they're like are any of these interesting to you what sort of stuff is interesting to you and he's just like everything scan everything in that binder and and then they're like okay, and then they're like they take down binder number two. What do you, what about the everything everything? Okay, here's Super NES Tournament Fighters, giant binder for SNES just SNES oh Tournament my god, Fighters.
0: god, that's amazing! What do you
4: everything? Okay, here's binder number two for SNES Tournament Fighters because <laughs> Tournament Fighters.
2: It, that one we like can skip. An, they, we're good on that one. Had, yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: They had animators um, doing every frame of animation for all the fighters, and there were there was a piece of paper for each frame of animation for each fighter. Um, and so they had them all. And so they, I mean, they scanned like nearly a thousand documents out of there. And I mean, when I opened up that zip file, that was one of the best days of like my life because I was like, what is going to be in here? And I just open up the zip file. It's huge. It's full of folders. And I just pick a random folder and just start looking. And my eyes just start watering because I mean, we're just looking at these, these design documents that had never been seen, um, in, in like 30 years it was incredible and we and every single freaking one of them is in the game because it wasn't a oh let's pick and choose the most interesting things it's like no it's like let's just let's just let's organize it all let's sort it all out um let's do the very like labor intensive work of um transcribing all of the handwritten japanese in these things first of all then getting it all translated and then figuring out a way to implement it back into the game. I had to go to, I went to our, the engineer on the project. I'm like, hey, so what I want to do is I want to have the document on the screen. Then you press a button and it pops up a second layer and it's like floating text over the document. And it sort of shows, you know, the translations of those things. But I have to be able to put the text where it goes so people understand where the text is and everything. It's like, can we do that? And the engineer is like, can I display text at a given XY coordinate on the screen? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Great. <laughs> so he, he, it's like, uh, well, sure. So he built a, so he built a, a tool that let, um, me sit down and insert all of these things like page by page without having any, you know, programming knowledge. I could essentially just do it in a sort of a graphical user interface type thing. Um, and, then uh, then we translated into a whole bunch of languages and then all the text overran all the boxes. So then every which we knew was going to oh happen. Uh, and then at that point, everybody banded together. Everybody like took a language, you know what I mean? And, and just went in and just like resized all the boxes. So, I mean, it looks great, whatever language you're you're using. Um, and it's just like you can just sit there for hours, like reading through all of these pages and like finding out all the all the notes that the designers made on everything. And I mean, it's. It's just, for I mean, for me as a person who buys, you know, collections of old video games, I mean, it was very simple in the sense it's just like, okay, I'm just going to make the thing that I would want the most, yes. you know, and, yep. and just do it that way.
0: It, it's so heartwarming to know that Konami has saved all this stuff. I mean, I don't know how it compares to yeah. other big Japanese publishers, but, like, that gives me hope as a huge Sunset Riders fan. Like, do they have old design documents for Sunset Riders, do you think, in that same building? I,
4: you know what? I will never know unless unless if we work on a Sunset rider collection be, or something like that, That might like be that, a little right?
0: while. Like Mystic I mean, Warriors I and Sunset Riders organize a heist. You Kyle, know, please! How too. dare you? These are the turtles. <laughs> they fight crime. Uh, are
4: you podcasting about the crime you're fighting?
0: <laughs> <laughs> did you have any communication or did Konami, I don't know, reach out to any of the old developers? I assume they're not still there, people that worked on these old games.
4: Basically, like a couple of people were still there. I mean, again, so um, height of COVID, you know, so yeah. doing interviews would have been extremely difficult. The, the people that were still there were like, oh, yeah, I worked on that. I, you know, I debugged like this portion of the game or something like that. So yeah. it was sort of like made the decision that, you know, video interviews were not going to be something that were that was part of this based on that.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Do you feel yep. like you understand Konami? Better after working on this project? I mean, the internet is always swirling with, like, what is happening within Konami these days? Do you feel like you got a couple good pieces I of insight? T- you know
4: what? I mean, I, I, again, yes. Well, the fact that, um, I mean, I'm really, really um, uh, grateful that Konami in Japan has done such a great job of archiving all of this yeah. original material, uh, making sure that it's, um, ex- you know, make sure that it's accessible, being able to get it to us, and uh, having it, you know, essentially having the Uh, having it ready um, and maintaining it even when it's something like Turtles where it's like you know what if they never got the turtles license back what would they be able to do with that um and certainly we had a tremendous partner in the team at konami usa because they really believed in us and they fought for us and not and they they really understood like you know they it was them who had to make the case internally right all the Mm. time for no this is why these guys want to do it this way yes it is more expensive yes it is difficult yes it is going to take longer but like that is that is we we have to do it this way and and really you know our articulated that case for us and so we were we were really really happy to work with them
0: yeah it's, it's amazing um from your perspective um how did you feel about shredder's revenge coming out this year as well i think the internet was on pins and needles for a while like which game is coming first it's weird to have yeah. <laughs> so much uh, turtle brawler action happening next to each other
4: yeah, I think it I mean, I think it all worked out great. I think it all worked out great because, um, you know, Shredder's Revenge, but it did come out. I mean, first of all, it was like phenomenal. Uh, I played it with my wife and my older kid and we just loved it. And, and, and uh, not only did it um, not only was it great, but the, the way the 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 nostalgia that it had or the references that it made were very specifically to these older games. Like it could have Shredder's Revenge could have been filled with references to, you know, the TV show or the movies or whatever. But really so much of it was just sort of referring back to what had happened in the the Konami classic games. So now you have this brand new audience of people who all really enjoyed this turtle brawler. And it's like now it's like, okay, now we can show you where that all came from. So, I mean, I think it just worked out. And, you know, just set them up and knocked them down. Yeah, it was great,
0: awesome. Well, congratulations on the game. It's really thank you. Hell of a collection you got rolling on there. Um, can you explain one thing? And I'm sure this is going to be a 45 minute discussion, but I, I'm confused the the name of this digital eclipse at Other Ocean. I've always been confused about what's Other Ocean, what's Digital Eclipse. Oh, it's, it's, yeah. What's going on? There? So, <laughs>
4: yeah, so the, yes, so the, yes, the company Other Ocean Interactive. Um, you know that. That existed, and then uh, Other Ocean got back the um, the, the Digital Eclipse uh, branding from its its previous owners. Okay, and then started up Digital Eclipse, you know, sort of as a division um, to concentrate on you know these retro collections specifically. But now, pretty much everybody in the we're all just going by Digital Eclipse in the Emeryville, California office, and oh, okay. everybody is working on Digital Eclipse branded stuff. Um, and there's other stuff with the, you know, with like the the how that the company or the subsidiary essentially works. That's like above my pay grade. Um, but basically, like what you can what you can see now is that everybody at the Emeryville office uh, and that the Washington office as well is like fully devoted to digital eclipse projects and we're kind of like expanding the definition of what a digital eclipse project is you know time was like the the space jam game that we did you know for xbox right. that would have been considered maybe like an other ocean you know a licensed type game but now right. it's more and now it's a digital eclipse product and it's like digital eclipse is the classic collections but also um you know games in or, or new games inspired by you know the the classics are done with that same
0: okay mentality so yeah. it's a stronger brand so it's eclipsing the other ocean entirely at this point got it uh,
4: yeah well there's okay. you know other oceans still definitely exist but it's the it's not uh, the the stuff that we're working on in Emeryville because there's the other ocean office in the, in Canada as well so you may see other uh, ocean branded stuff okay well. gotcha yep. gotcha
0: yeah and yep. fun fact is um, Kelsey Lewin is a contributor to MinMax here and uh, it's weird that you guys share the office with the uh, Video Game History Foundation <laughs> there
4: well it's not that weird <laughs> but it's
0: uh, <laughs> no it it's nice it makes
4: total sense
0: yeah, yeah. it's nice culturally that you two are just simpatico for being dorks for history history and yeah just different yeah totally expressing it right right
4: well of course frank stifaldi was one of the you know founders of the original you know the rebirth of digital eclipse right right he left uh left to run the video game history foundation full time and rents the office space you know from us but it's great i get to see frank and kelsey all the time gonna go to the office
0: that's awesome uh great hey um kyle do you know how uh, minmax operates by the way Stolen Konami. No, no, Kyle. No, 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 no. We're not no, doing no well. okay, heist. Yeah, not right. even of the hypersun variety. Uh, <laughs> Patreon, everybody. <laughs> Patreon.com/slash/minmax with two ends. If you like independent games media and you want to help support it directly, you can follow that URL. Unlock a bunch of benefits as well over there. And thank you to some of our biggest supporters. Wonderful people like I am Eight Bit. They want everybody to know about the Stray vinyl soundtrack, which you can get. It's a double vinyl soundtrack for the fantastic soundtrack to Stray, uh, music by Jan. Uh, and then also, they also have the IM 8 bit exclusive edition of Stray on PS4 and PS5. It comes with a bunch of other stuff. Huge poster of the concept art, a fuzzy, pettable patch of the cat itself. Uh, so please check that out at IM 8 bit's wonderful online store. You can go to that store, there's a link below, and you can get 10% off everything in that store under $100 by using the promo code Sturgeon Moon. Sturgeon Moon, everybody, for 10% off there's no space there again if you're confused about what words i'm saying look in the description enter that code you'd be helping us you'd be helping im8bit thank you to im8bit for being wonderful supporters of ours and they are such wonderful supporters of ours that they are going to ship out a prize a prize each and every week from their wonderful online store to whoever submitted the best question for the Max show podcast over on patreon so chris we need your help uh, remembering every good question submitted, and then that okay. person who has the absolute best one that we all agree is the best one, that person gets a wonderful prize from IM8Bit. Okay, here we go. Uh, D.L. McKay writes in and says, Hey, Min, Max and Chris, I uh, just want to take the time to thank Chris for their work on the Cowabunga collection. I've played around with the bonus material in the turtle with the big goofy Michelangelo smile going over the material. (laughs) Okay. It's super cool and really nostalgic seeing some of the old advertisements that used to appear in GamePro and the back pages of comics. My question is, do you have any dream projects you'd like to see this kind of material get gathered for? Like what is what is the holy grail for you, Chris? For this type of collection, I know. Let
4: me let me make a Mario collection, oh, right? God. I mean, yeah. if you're if you're asking what's the dream project, yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, Nintendo, give me a call. Super Mario Brothers, Mario Two, Doki Doki Panic. Just give me all the design documents that went into that. We'll do high res scans. We'll 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 go crazy. All right, scale of they're one never, to ten. I, no. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hold my breath for that phone call. By the way,
0: yeah, scale of one to ten. How? um satisfying do you think their kyoto museum will be when they finally unveil that
4: um i don't know i'm not sure i haven't looked too too closely into that i just want to go back to japan i want, I want japan to start letting people in again it'd be nice it's what? been it's been long enough yeah
0: yeah for sure but i, I don't know i i want to sleep in that hotel
4: you know i went down yeah. to that so so i used to live like um a brisk five-minute walk away from the old Nintendo playing card building.
2: Really? Um, That's amazing. And I
4: always, whenever people visited me in Kilco, I'd be like, okay, we're going to go somewhere. And I'd just walk, walk them down the street and be like, here you go. And you're standing in front of this nondescript building, and it's like, here it is. And people are like, here what? It's like this little little tiny little street with like you know, houses and, you know, whatever on it. Yeah. And I'm like, here it is. And, and and I just make them look at the building until it clicks <laughs> and they see the little, the little plaque that says the Nintendo playing card company, you know? And, um, once I, I did not break into this building, um, but they started locking the front door because of me, because I went <laughs> down and I, you know, in Japan, people leave their front doors open. Um, because you, the idea is that you, when you walk in the front door, you're not in the house yet. You're in the entryway. And when somebody's like delivering your mail or when somebody comes over and it's just like, Oh, Hey, are you home? They open the door, step into the entryway. And then they're like, Hey, are you home? So, um, They had the front door of this thing open, so I I went up to it. This is early 2002, and I went inside the building, and and inside the lobby of this building, this is 20 years ago, was... um, all it was very—it was kind of dark inside the lobby because you know nobody was supposed to be in there. But there was uh, picture frames hung up with all Nintendo's old, old, old playing cards, like displayed in the big picture frames. Oh, that's awesome! Um, and I started looking around, and um, I only had a couple of seconds to like glance around this lobby at all this like old Nintendo history that was like hanging on the walls when suddenly an old man who i could now see was sort of back there was like a a a front office like with a glass it was like the it was like the um the front desk basically um he's back behind like at this front desk area kind of in the back of the little lobby and the guy looks up at me and he and he looks he looks up at me he's just like he goes kengaku dame which means like no no field trips or like (laughs) like you can't you can't just no no coming in here and looking around and i was like oh and i just like whoop beat it out of there and then i came back like a week later and the door was locked and the door was locked ever since ever since then
0: <laughs> i like the idea of so, you trying uh, a second time like let's see if i can memorize a couple more of these pieces of
2: art. So we tried
4: there? this door again oh come on that was that was exactly the sort of person i was though i'm like i beat it out of there but i went back you go back a week later maybe somebody else is in there and they they, yeah. they would you know maybe they would appreciate sort of a random idiot coming in and looking around who knows come on
0: in use our bathroom uh, but now
4: but now you can go back they converted into a, a hotel so i yeah. really want to go there and stay the night in this hotel and actually
0: like actually like get to be in there and look around that's gonna be Funky, finally huh? have your field trip that's right <laughs> uh nick s writes in and they ask what was your favorite cartoon as a kid and does it hold up now one of the top ones for me was probably scooby-doo and most of those still hold up yeah scooby-doo's like look it's formulaic but like kyle i know you're shaking your head but like the formula works it is always a fun ride yeah, I'm not right? a Scooby-Doo fan. yeah well you might be wrong now it's yeah. one of the most popular characters on earth thanks to multiverses all the kids are getting back into scooby-doo kyle and you just have to live with them
2: i live with one i don't think she likes scooby-doo though oh is she
0: playing a lot of multiverses no oh
2: okay she doesn't like hitting things in games
0: oh well that's probably a good sign um (laughs) yeah i don't know i'm trying to think of um i haven't watched it since it was airing live on tv but mighty max was a very important cartoon Mm -hmm. for me growing up to the point that i was thinking like oh did that have an influence on naming this company Min-Max Even because I like the word Max because of Mighty Max and his stupid, stupid hat, and it adventures with Virgil and all his wonderful friends. So I'm just gonna assume that it holds up very well, just like the Mega Man TV show. I'm sure it's still like just
2: flawless in every way. Yeah, <laughs> I, uh, I mean, mine's, mine's Batman the animated series, and I in the last like four years or so, I've gone back and like started it. Yeah, and like not every episode is a winner but like the really good ones are still really good. Like it's it's kind of wild how sort of uh serious it's all taken uh within that carto- within that animated show. Yeah, did you hear that uh HBO also
0: canned the Bruce Timm new animated series for Batman?
2: Yeah, it was too good for this world.
0: That's right. Sorry to tell you. Uh Chris, I mean, I <laughs> <laughs> not to as go a, back in the turtle world as a but.
4: as a little little kid he-man and the masters of the universe okay. does that hold up absolutely not no um <laughs> as a like 11 year old animaniacs does it yeah. hold up yes definitely um well, the thing, and that, the thing a, that
2: came on before batman is that what that was, how though? dare you i think so yeah
4: yeah yeah <laughs> i turned it right off after that i'm like it's too serious um and and then like as a 15 year old sailor moon uh which Ooh. of course has held up extraordinarily well yeah
0: uh, and Jeff, um, was it just the old Nickelodeon newsreels or what was, um, your cup of tea? Yeah. Okay.
3: That's, I was probably, I guess I'd say DuckTales. Yeah. Um, I think it
0: holds up. We watched a bunch back at the Game Informer office with like Margaret Andrews and stuff. And we were yeah, laughing. I,
3: I watched a couple on, I, I think they're on Disney plus now. And it was, it was, it was okay, I guess. <laughs> but. <laughs>
0: what do you want? Pretty endorsement. Yeah. It wasn't like a hurricane for your life. Uh, Bob Buell writes in and says uh, oh it's Bob Buell and that's it okay no fancy name or anything here no siree is his official name on Patreon so thanks Bob for that mouthful um, they say howdy Hansen and the Repacks that's right uh, what's the earliest game that you remember finding a cheat or a secret in maybe not even one that you read in a guide or anything but you truly discovered on your own
4: Oh, Uh, like, Oh, Oh, Oh yeah. Um, you know, Bart versus the space mutants. Yeah. Um, that game, like, especially in the first level of that game, there's a lot of secrets and stuff like that. And I remember, um, there's a point in the first level of Bart versus the space mutants where like, you can jump off of a building onto a bush. Um, and if you do that, you will actually, you will land on an invisible platform. And then if you press down, you'll fall through the platform and the letters, I think it might be even be GK for Gary Kitchen, maybe like somebody's initials fall out of the, out of the sky <laughs> and land on you and you get a one up. And when I found that, like that was, that was not in any strategy guides or anything. It was a cool, it was a developer initials Easter egg gives you a one up in that first level. That's and good. Uh, at the time that I, that I found that for myself and that was crazy.
0: <laughs> I love that. I want to be like, well, that's a little hammy to put your initials in that Simpsons game. It's like, well, isn't the whole thing that like, is this just some weird, um, I don't know, old myth, but the idea of like Homer's hair and his ear it's like m g for oh. graining, right, like it seems like Maybe? initials are like a core part of the Simpsons design I've, I've, that I've that heard work. that, yeah. Yeah. yeah, i don't know if i don't know if
3: that was all pre internet speculation, yeah yeah
0: I, I'm, My, I
3: guess mine mine would be um the n e s version of rampage when. Like, if you, got, if you got turned down into the human, I think you could just mash the A and B button together and then you would grow back up before you lost your life in that
0: game. Yeah. Mm.
3: Which, which was a very kid-friendly um, secret since you were just mashing buttons the entire time anyway. But hey, that works. Once we figured that out, that was a game changer.
2: Hell yeah. Kyle, you had one? Oh, yeah. Uh, it was my brother specifically found in the first... Minecart level of Donkey Kong Country. If you just jump off the edge, there's like a hidden barrel that'll shoot you to the end of the level. Um, and we, you know, it was like, oh, that's really cool. But the thing that really blew our mind is like uh, you know, a couple of months later, we got the strategy guide. Yeah. And that was not in the strategy guide. Ooh. And then we were nice. like, oh, we f- we found something special. And those minecart levels are like really hard, you know, especially when you're young and the first time you play them. So to find uh, sort of a skip for that level was uh, really empowering.
0: Hell yeah, that's amazing. Um, How excited was your brother when he found that? Could you do an impersonation of him? Wow, that's Tristan. Brian Ventura writes and says, Hey, Max, uh, I think closing credits offer a great moment of satisfaction after finishing a good game or movie, but I feel oddly guilty when I skip them sometimes. I feel like I should be soaking in each name out of respect for their work, but ultimately the big list of names just washes over me. Do y'all skip credits? No yeah i'll I'll check my phone but it is like a moment of like all right let's see if any names pop out that i might recognize here and Mm -hmm. then also i worry about there being like a post-credits thing that i accidentally skip over you know
2: i don't know i mean we're very cool now too and there's sometimes there'll be people that i know in the credits and i'm always like oh hey all right (laughs) let me take a picture of that text
0: it to (laughs) them. we're cool now uh (laughs) yeah yeah, chris as somebody who's in game credits does it mean that Mm -hmm. you don't skip them now
4: credit some credit sequences have gotten very long (laughs) and sometimes you think to yourself how how long am i going to sit here listening to repeating music um (laughs) i i appreciate now when you can fast forward through credits so i don't have to skip them i don't need to see them scroll really slowly and then of course i do you know we always look for you know people that we that we know um but yeah i i will i will I will fast-forward them if given the opportunity, for sure.
0: That's allowable. Uh, God's Garage writes in on Patreon and asks, How about that dang corn song? As an Ohioan, I feel seen. So, full confession. um, We went to the Minnesota State Fair for that whole travelogue, which is on Max's YouTube channel, and it was a a great time. Um, There's a lot of corn at the State Fair, and so Sarah and Janet kept referencing that corn song, and because I already felt like their weird, weird old dad, I was just like, "Yeah, yeah, totally the corn song." I have no idea what
2: anybody's talking about. It's a TikTok corn song. Is that the idea? Yeah, it's this kid who's really—he loves corn—and he's getting interviewed, and he's just like, he's more excited about corn than I was about Tinykin like forty-five <laughs> minutes ago. And, oh. and they and they songified it, and it's like really catchy, and it's like it's just one of those things that it's like. Man, this kid is living the best life, and I—it makes me happy.
0: <laughs> Jeff, how do you know about this hip corn kid?
3: I know it because when I saw that question in Slack, I Googled <laughs> a corn song uh, and went down the rabbit hole and figured out the same thing Kyle did. Wow. The kid's be- emotional intelligence is off the chart for that age because really? he was—he really understood it. He was like, "If you like corn, you know, you should come to me, and I'll tell you all about it." And <laughs> yeah it's yeah. a winner
4: was this was this uh the songify the news the gregory brothers um mm. the song mm. or is it somebody else
2: it's it certainly sounds like them but i don't okay. know if it is them i mean hansen do you oh, want to try oh, to okay. pull it up do nah, you that is especially it like nah, that nah, crucial for nah, you nah, people can look it up i think okay <laughs> also, I, I, uh chipotle the, the most impressive thing <laughs> it's, to me is chipotle. Oh, it's them it, it is, them? is? Okay. wow yeah that's yep. that's awesome uh, Chipotle like tracked him down and hopefully I'm, I hope he was well compensated but he appears in an ad and I'm like dang they turned that around fast they got this meme kit to order oh, corn at Chipotle weird yeah. Yeah. and now we're all craving Chipotle so mission
0: accomplished uh, Malcolm yeah, exactly. Holiday right? My,
2: uh, Chipotle I'm craving corn <laughs> <laughs> just corn
0: <laughs> I only well, get my at Chipotle, corn at so. Chipotle. Yeah, load up yeah. my bowl, please. Malcolm Holiday says, Hey, crew, I have a better quest goal and question. My better quest goal is I'm trying my best to learn piano relatively decently. I have a keyboard and I've been using online resources to learn lessons. It feels weird being 27 trying to pick up a new skill, but I'm hopeful. I will check in periodically with any substantial progress. Janet's also learning piano. Welcome, so you can talk about it on Discord with her. Um, question, are there any
2: skills or talents that you picked up in your adult life? Uh, uh, by the way, real quick, Leo's recent goal where he made a song. Yeah. And he sent me the song and took out the drums. Right. And then I, so I've added the drums now. So next oh. time me and Leo are on an episode together, we'll, 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 we can listen to it together. Okay. It'll
0: be fun. That sounds good. Is that,
2: is that your new skill, Kyle? Is really, no, relearning I mean, m- mine as is has uh, cooking in a big way. I all do right. all the cooking <laughs> yeah. um, and I cook a lot now in the last like four years. And then also, like, I've gotten a lot. Uh, better at like just around the house stuff, like you know, uh, re- installing doors. You know, I'm doing now. I'm like totally overhauling a room. I laid a bunch of floor down recently. Um, my wife and I have I've put up drywall now. My wife is like the drywall expert. Like she yeah. can handle that and put on joint compound and stuff like that. So we're getting we're getting fancy with those well, kind of skills. It was that, a while
0: ago. It was like a couple weeks ago. But you were wheeling your toilet
2: outside to clean it. I don't need to explain myself. What? I don't think that's how you clean a toilet. What was that? No, we remodeled Yours the bathroom. really bad. <laughs> <laughs> it, was it was rough. No, we, we remodeled the bathroom, and I had to pull the bathroom out of the, the, the bathroom to put down tile. Oh, okay. well, I will admit, we did actually have someone come in and do the tile. Coward! That's, that's I know, I know. Mm. But, uh, It it was like I had to just the easiest way to get it out of there was to put it on a skateboard and I had to be out of the bathroom (laughs) for a few days for the tile. So I just put it out back and it was like raining and I was like, I might as well clean this thing while it's like out here, you know? Mm, mm -hmm. And then you used it in your yard too? Yes, that's right.
4: (laughs) Becoming a homeowner forces you to learn uh, all of this stuff. If you don't literally want to be calling somebody and paying them $1,000 every time like something happens, I had like... We had, yeah, we had a leak in one of our toilets, and I'm like, okay, today's, the, I'm gonna go down and fix this thing. I know what I, I think I know what I have to do, when I'm gonna, go to, so I go down there, and then, like, after like an hour, like, my wife opens the door, and I'm just, I'm sitting there, like, to, the toilet's in pieces, you know what I mean? Toilet parts are everywhere. I'm just covered in, like, you know, uh, black, you know, gunk, basically. Not like, not poop, sorry, not poop, but like, <laughs> but just like all of the, you know, just just everything is just the You and stuff and, like um, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had to take the gas. It was leaking. Fr- it was the gas. It was either the gasket or the rubber washers or whatever it was. We went to we went to Lowe's and bought every kind of toilet gasket and came back and it, they were all wrong. You know oh. what I mean? Because it was a special. It was actually it was a Kohler toilet. And they have a special <laughs> gasket on the, the thing. Imagine that. Kohler. So but then I literally I just took it all apart and then I like put it all back together and just sort of just put it all back together I'm like okay, it's it and it, it was fixed, you know. It was just whatever it was, you know. But but yes, like everything from we just had to rescreen a door, and it's just like mm-hmm. man, home ownership is. Uh, yeah. I don't know, I don't yeah, know. What the, it's like is renting the scam or is home ownership the scam? Yeah, One sure. of them has got to be
0: a scam.
2: That's really just tough. boot up the YouTube yeah. tutorial. Let's go. Yeah.
4: That oh thank I, God for that. I, oh I had to I had to replace the um the the heater the heater busted and it was the um it's the whatever the heck the thing is that that heats you know it's the it's like the thing that starts the light that catches that catches mm. fire basically um and it's the it's the the heating element the super hot rock and um yeah thank god for youtube cuz i could just look on youtube and it's like oh check this if it's this then it's that and then here's how you replace it and i'm like oh I can't imagine having to do this stuff without YouTube. Probably would have had to buy a book or ask somebody, both of which are completely ridiculous.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the, it's it's the total dad answer of like I I experienced this you know like six months ago where it's just kind of like you look around and you realize you're the oldest person and therefore responsible yes, for me. everything yes, in yes, it. Yes. and it all falls on you all of a sudden and yeah it's it's just been that laundry list of like. Fixing stuff around the house. I just fixed the dryer the other day. Hey, way to go, man. Had to replace the belt on a dryer and (laughs) take the whole thing apart. I called my dad at one point, and he, he was like, oh, yeah, it's real simple. And it's like, wow, I understand my dad now so much more than I ever have before in my
0: life. <laughs> Blasting cat's cradle while we'll fixing a dryer. No. Uh, Phil Yeatsteak writes in and says, hey, let's get morbid for a second, if everybody's on board for getting morbid. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, it, it's morbid time, as I could say. Uh, if you had to guess, at what year would more gamertag slash accounts belong to deceased people than living people?
2: <laughs> at some point, it'll happen. Okay. What, what year yeah. is that? Uh, ooh, That's weird cuz I'm trying to think of like there's the advent of like you got to find when there was the biggest surge of people creating usernames, right? right? Cuz like now Discord you don't really get you don't have to like lock in a username anymore. Right, really. right. So let's say like Xbox gamer tags. Like like 360 probably, y- right?
0: Y- yeah. I mean 20 2070 so, like,
2: Uh, 2100. 2100. AD. 2100. AD. There
0: you <laughs> go. Yep. Mark your calendars, yeah. everybody. Play back this podcast then. Can uh, we make a
2: bet on it so that we can?
0: <laughs> I will bet see my life. Right in yeah, a if years. it's not 2070, you have permission to hunt me down and murder me. Uh, Stephen Lamson writes in um, We're talking about games that need remakes, Chris. So it's going to be a lot of this. So buckle up. Um, okay. so Stephen Lamson says that out of any game, that Final Fantasy VI needs a remake.
4: They just made one.
0: Well, Pixel <laughs> Remaster. They changed a couple of scenes. They like Rema- read in the, Okay. Oh, okay. So is know.
4: he is he saying like a full on? I think so. Um, From the ground yeah, up, as we like to say. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, they tried that with Final Fantasy 7, and they are only like a third of the way through. And I never know when they're going to die. I mean, I totally agree. I mean, of course, yeah. I think that would be I mean, that would be that would be the absolute sweet spot for me is to yes, play um, a fully HD three D you know game in the Final Fantasy six uh, world. But yeah. I think that it's. Has anybody ever pulled that off, though? Because, I mean, Final Fantasy VI is so... I mean, all of the design is so predicated on the fact that it's a, that it's a 2D, you know, 16-bit right. game. Um, even with Final Fantasy VII, it's like they can't simply transpose it. Final Fantasy VII Remake, spoilers, is really, like, not a remake of Final Fantasy VII, right? So really? it's like you, 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 you can't really do it, and you absolutely can't do it with a 16-bit game. So I think that... I think we imagine these things in our head because everything like you know Sabin suplexing a train in final fantasy 6 is literally Perfect. like i took this sprite and i took that sprite and i flipped them and i moved them up and down yeah. and i did it in i did it in 30 seconds whereas Sabin suplexing a train in final fantasy 6 remake for ps5 <laughs> is like somebody, you know, some visual effects team has to work on that for like a year. <laughs> you know, you can't do it. But it's, it's going to
0: look possible. so sweet. If that was just the game, they said, "Hey, it's Final Fantasy 6 remake part 1 and it's just the suplexing a train sequence, but it's like an amazing 2 hours." I don't think anybody would complain. We're good. No, but. not at all. Yeah, no, I mean, I think whatever
4: <laughs> you do, if they I think it would be nice to do something in that world, but then it's it they, it would really have to be it shouldn't be a it, making it a remake would not make sense just just right. make it um something something new you know, with, within that, it, within that fiction.
0: It'd be like the action RPG all about shadow or something,
2: just like a cool side story like that. I mean, I, I would, I'm not as quite as precious about it, and Maybe this would be frustrating for some people, but like, I would love the live, alive Octopath yeah. approach. Right. You know, I would love that for, for, for that era. For yeah. Yeah. I'm oh, not I sick think, of that. I think,
4: Yeah. Uh, uh, with with Live Alive, I think it absolutely shows like why that HD 2D is the way to bring it into the modern day, uh, but still retain, you know, with the, the appeal and also make it so it's it's actually like physically possible to do
0: it. Yep, absolutely. Like I, I would love to see the sales for Live Alive and then Dragon Quest 3, I think they're also doing right. And so like if those mm-hmm. two are still trending upwards for this, like hopefully it'll open the door and we can just get all these games remade in a weirdly more faithful way. Uh, Nick Olson says I think the upcoming Netflix film will inspire a Bioshock 1 remake and I'm not mad about it the original and the remaster still hold up great but I'd love to see one built from the ground up in the vein of like Resident Evil 2 yeah that feels pretty recent but I mean I could see something with a Netflix movie yeah Uh, Jeremy L says hey everybody a game that needs to be remade is the 2005 game Jade Empire by Bioware I think that's a great contender
3: that was on my list.
0: Yeah. yeah? Yeah, I feel like you could overhaul some systems. It would find a new audience. I think that'd be a good one for... for Run a lot better. It was kind of, a, kind of a rough frame rate on that one, right? Yeah. Uh, Owen McCarter says, Hey, I missed out on PS1 and a lot of PS2 games growing up. So There's a ton of classics that I've heard about, uh, but are difficult to go back to these days. Some of the biggest ones are Metal Gear Solid 1 through 3 and Legacy of Kane. Also, I'd be interested to see what a remake of Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask would look like. Maybe combine both into one game? That'd be really interesting, but they wouldn't need to do that. I'd be happy with those 3DS games on
2: Switch. Yeah, I I would too. Those remakes are good.
0: Yeah, I think it'd be a really great move. Um, Chris, I know you're being paid by Konami right now, so feel free to cover your ears. But um, what did you think, Kyle and Jeff, about that story that was breaking this week about how Konami's like, Hey, TGS, we're going to have a big announcement
2: about a fan-favorite series. I forget the exact wording, something like that, right? But then was it... Did they sort of circle back and clear like not Silent Hill or that's well, that's sort of the reporting? The reporting of it, was right? like,
0: yeah, it's not Metal Gear and it's not Silent Hill, everybody. So right. I mean, my money would be on Castlevania, but yeah, I don't want to get my hopes up in any way possible.
2: Yeah, but, I mean, that's kind of where I am at with all those sort of things. Yeah, like obviously, I would love something new for Metal Gear. I'd love something new for Silent Hill. I'd love something new for Castlevania. But like, I I would rather I almost like we'll just let it happen and react at rather than sort of sort of put my expectations in the wrong place. Yeah. All right. Jared peers
0: is going to uh, make you all sweat here. Uh, they say, I thought of a game that might be fun to play to figure out who there is the most obscure gamer. Everyone takes turn naming games, but if anyone else in the podcast has heard of the game, they're out and the last person standing wins. I feel like we got a ringer.
4: <laughs> I, I, well, I also, I, I don't know. I feel like I feel like we could all come up with something that's uh...
0: so. How? Do, okay. So how do these? I'm going to walk through this again. If anyone on the podcast has heard of the game, they're out. Okay. So then, then so you stay. So we in. have to
2: come up with an obscure game and share it. Gotcha. Okay. Right. Okay. Right.
0: okay. I got that part, but the part about when you're out is confusing to me. But okay. Um, I'm going to go with a game that. I just bought at a used game store and I hadn't heard of, which is a game called Creatures for PlayStation 1. Not Nightmare Creatures. Oh, that's my favorite PS1 game. <laughs> okay. <out>. Has, everybody, <laughs> has anybody else heard of Creatures for PlayStation 1?
4: I, it, I, I can't say I have. Okay.
0: It's like a European uh, character sim. You're like building up this colony. It looks... Bizarre. Does the logo like look like kind of like it has eyes in it, or is that nightmare creatures? No, that might be nightmare creatures you're thinking of. Right. Yeah,
2: I'm gonna Google nightmare creatures because that might because I can see yes. the logo yes. th- like th- a that's weird nightmare spelling creatures. of the word creature. That is
0: nightmare creatures logo. But uh, okay. je- all right, Jeff, um, hit us.
2: Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um,
3: Cannondale Cup is my go-to mm-hmm. for obscure games. Haven't it's heard of help. it. Is that some Fairchild F I, thing? I,
4: i have heard of that oh sorry sorry, jeff were you were you a
3: road rash fan who couldn't play road rash back in the day no i'm just a
4: video i'm just a video game collector who i think has that it's a super nintendo game right in my somewhere kicking around in my collection yes yeah
0: all right i'll throw another one out there chris i'm curious to see if if you're hip to this one because i always think of it when i think of obscure games um but it's a favorite of mine growing up Uh, autobahn on apple II no okay old racing I'm not game not familiar with it okay yeah. all right all right chris hit us what do you got man
4: oh sure okay um <laughs> which one should i say how about um the the crystal dragon for the famicom disc system
2: no you got us you got nobody us. okay all right <laughs> is That's it a good my crystal precursor i assume
4: it was actually um it was uh, square's first uh, famicom disc system so I'm thinking about really? square now. it was their first famicom disc system uh, original game it was a it was actually a point and click adventure in 1986 wow they had done they had done like text parser adventure games on the computers and this was a way of doing it on the famicom disc system they actually had icons it was like you know look at this you know
0: kind oh, of stuff funky. yeah that art is yeah. cool i like it uh all right yes. Kyle, kyle can you stump us can you stump the room
2: no, I, I I no, I don't think so. I was I was trying to think of like weird games that I only saw like once at a friend's house. And I, I remember one, Lester the Unlikely the <laughs> Super Nintendo, where <laughs> yep, you're like playing yep. as this nerd. And it's I remember like thinking I remember playing it at a friend's house and being like, This looks interesting. This looks kinda you were like this nerdy guy in a jungle and like I couldn't even get past like the first tree. And I was like, All right, well let me see let's see what else we got here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Chris, you got another one just to wow us?
4: Um, what is another one that I could say? How about, um, uh, Love Match Tennis? No. Love Match Tennis was for the Japanese PC 6 thousand and one computer i want to say <laughs> and it was it. it was it, the, the the reason why it's the reason why it's interesting is because it was uh yuji hori the guy who did dragon quest it was his first game oh it was, it was that's a tennis good. game that he made and was published by enix yeah great yeah. call great i actually call, just man. i just recently got a copy of it um after um you know kind of like looking for a long time for old enix games and stuff like that and found one in, on a, a japanese website and Paid up for it because, you know, because of its historical, you know,
0: importance. Yeah, you got it. Uh, GRN writes in and says, I was reading reviews for the Cowabunga collection and one stated that it had no significant value outside of nostalgia, but I find that take to be wildly incorrect. Uh, good news, Chris. He's not. He's not siding with that. He says, My oh, okay, ne- <laughs> he says, "My nephew absolutely loves beat 'em up style games. They're perfect for younger audiences because of the simple gameplay." I like the Calabunga collection, and I think it's perfect for connecting people who have nostalgia with young gamers who are still learning the basics. Not every gamer is in the 20 to 30 year old bracket. I agree, like, you know, trying to find games that I can play with my nephews, it's like, okay, we go back to brawlers over and over again. I'm like, look, this won't frustrate you and you can just spam your way through it and we'll have a solid time. So yeah, it is a nice way to bridge the divide there.
4: I, I feel like these games have held up well. I mean, not, a, not everything from that era has held up, right? I mean, but like, yeah. I think that this is a collection of games and we're very lucky to get to work on that, right? Like we're, we're super lucky to get to work on a collection of games that were, A, I mean, these were, you know, Turtles 1 for the NES, Best-selling third-party game on that platform. Really? Um, it is the only is the only third-party game to do 4 million units. Um, wow. It's, it's, it, it outsold the Dragon Quest games. I mean, it did incredibly well. Turtles in Time for the Arcade, most played arcade game of 1990 and 1991 as voted by arcade machine operators back in the day, basically, in the U.S. I mean, these were of the not only some of the biggest but like in these cases like the biggest game you know of that time period. And right. so we get to work on these games that are incredible I mean again I say I'd love to do a Mario collection like realistically you know to get to work with the Turtles games is like you know working on some of the most popular games they kicked ass like they were they were really fun and yes I think absolutely especially like You know, stuff like SNES Turtles in Time. You know, stuff like um, uh, Manhattan Project on NES. I mean, the ones that are really well-crafted absolutely still hold up.
0: Yeah. Uh, And then also Jiren writes in and says, Dream remake, by the way, Parasite Eve. Great call. Oh, yeah. Great call. Boondock Bandit uh, writes in, screaming for a Bushido Blade remake. Bushido Blade, yep. We hear you. Christian Jimenez says, I'd like Mystical Ninja Goemon from N64 to be remade or Snowboard Kids. (laughs) <laughs> they can choose. I can, I the can only game they can choose. That's right. <laughs> okay. Uh, Sam Kennedy writes in uh, and says, Hey Min Max, I have a problem for you. It's a trolley problem. I'm gonna name two things, but you have to run over one with your trolley. <laughs> okay, are you ready, Jeffum? Uh, the last PS4 with PT installed on it, or a playable version of Kirby's Adventure on the GameCube. Which is the trolley running over? Which I had I'll to look over into. What <laughs> um,
3: the better option? <laughs> I guess the GameCube.
0: Okay. All right. Saving PT. Interesting. Yeah, I I don't know how I dodged this. Yeah, but I wasn't hip to that legendary game of like this Kirby game on the GameCube that yeah. wasn't released, but um, okay, Chris, are you going with the Queens Golden Wii or the last Nintendo PlayStation? Which one's getting hit the by that tree? The Queen's trollic?
4: golden Wii, obviously. <laughs> this is Wii that somebody gold-plated. It's nothing. The last Nintendo PlayStation needs to be saved.
0: What if I told you that the Queen would not let it go over cold, dead hands. She's clutching it All and you'd have to take reason. out the Queen never, of England. She never
4: wanted the Golden Wee. Somebody <laughs> made the Golden we, thinking that the Queen of England would like this Golden <laughs> we dreamed up in some <laughs> PR shop somewhere. It's like, what are we going to do? Let's make a Gold Wee for the Queen of England. And then after wow. everybody finished laughing at that and like firing that person, then they just did it.
0: No idea why. It's common knowledge that she loved Wee Tennis. Everybody <laughs> She's a huge that. fan. Yes. Uh, Little King Story was her jam. Reminds her of her family. Um, What, uh, Is the queen just a complete lunatic? Could you, like... Here's a better question, I guess. When was the last time the queen sat down for, like, an interview? Has it happened ever?
4: Uh, That's a really good question. I don't know. I don't know.
0: All right, send me every interview with every queen, please. Thank you. We tried
4: to get her for the Kalabunga collection, (laughs) but she was not available.
2: (laughs) She was, she was allowed in the Konami
0: vault. She was already hanging out there, yeah. Oh, you too! Uh, okay. You couldn't uh, reach the binder on the top
4: shelves, though. So. <laughs> she yeah. was going, well, yeah. The, the, the Sunset Riders one.
0: That's right. Oh, yep. don't tempt mm-hmm. me. Uh, let's I see. see uh, Kyle, do you like Sunset Riders, by the way, Chris? I do, yeah. Okay, good. You passed the test. Yes, That's the you.
2: Konami announcement later this week, right? Oh, oh god!
0: I don't know if they'd have the gall to call it a fan favorite series, but again, I think it's one of those quietly that also like millions, it's and millions fan, of people. A fan, a single
2: fan favorite. People like it. A... name is Ben Anson.
0: Anyways, Kyle, um, what gets hit by the train? Is it uh, Ben's steam deck or the Mall of America? Let's assume empty, <laughs> an empty version of the Mall of America. What are you running a
2: trolley into? Uh, I mean, I feel like your steam deck is has that already been replaced once that's true <laughs> so be... let's run over your steam deck okay All right. then you could just go play your pc as well rather than you know destroy a a gigantic building that employs a, a large number of people i guess
3: also that would be a fun email to send to valve of like can i get my steam deck replaced it got run over by a trolley
0: <laughs> <laughs> we get this a lot they have a trolley <laughs> refund policy yeah Um, Bear Commando says, hey, everybody, now that two years have passed and we've had time to digest things, how did you really like the, quote-unquote, blurred transition into the new console generation? We're still seeing cross-gen new releases, and my incentive to buy a new console still feels low. Do you think this approach was good for the industry? How do you personally feel about it compared to previous generation transitions? P.S., please remake Pokemon Stadium, including the minigames. Okay, can do. Um, Yeah, it it feels similar-ish to the last generation, but... Chris, do you think it's blurrier this generation, the the big transition compared to last?
4: I think it is, and I mean, I think that um, the, okay, so console generation transitions have always been this um, uh, extremely dangerous moment, right, for a, a hardware maker, because you're going from, we have an installed base of whatever, 50 million units, going to, we have an installed base of zero, right. and it's like you literally have to start over again again um and this has caused chaos because you know you have like you know with sony like doing so well with playstation 1 playstation 2 and then playstation 3 comes in and they can't get adoption up or or you know playstation 3 is too expensive people don't want to buy it and suddenly the, the video game industry that they had had a tight grip on like slips through their fingers um and so with n- now i think you absolutely see and this was something i wrote about like way back at wired i was like you are going to there's a, there's an article you can go look at it's just like um you're going to upgrade your video game consoles like you upgrade your phone and you're not going to need to get the new video game console and they're going to do this because they do not want this chaos that comes right. with stopping and starting again and if you look at the nintendo switch also i mean nintendo doesn't have to make another mario kart now you know every time nintendo brought out a new system it's like they bring out a new system they've sold zero units and it's like okay we got to make a mario we got to make a zelda we got to make a mario kart we got to make a pokemon but this whole list of things that they have to make um, becomes overwhelming, and they can't even really concentrate on like doing anything new or interesting because they're they're forced to make these new entries. With the Switch, they were just like, "All right, great, let's port the Wii U Mario Kart over, and we're done." And so, what you have now seen is. You know, it's the Switch has the Mario and the Zelda, and then when they when they eventually do an update to the Switch, um, they're not going. You have to again, like start from zero anymore. I absolutely think. Um, I don't. I don't actually know anything about this. Just to be really, yeah. really clear, like yeah. my my personal opinion is that it is going to be very much that blurred transition where. It, they will ease you into oh this game well this game requires the new you know hardware um i think that this generation i mean i, I again not being a uh, not having to do you know journalism day to day anymore i blessedly don't have to really pay too close attention to this but like with xbox is there is there anything that's like series x like exclusive like ps5 has ps5 games but yeah. like and, and, and there's exclusive games there. But, like, Xbox, it seems like everything is, like, playable on... Well, X and Xbox S, or... One. Okay. S, X, and, and one.
0: Um, I th- There's definitely going to be stuff that's exclusive. But as of right now, that's a good question. Is there anything current-gen exclusive to Xbox? I don't, think, yeah, I don't so. think so.
4: Right. And I think that that's good i think that that's good because it doesn't especially in this in this era of like extreme console scarcity like these things are expensive you can't even get them if you want to um It's you're not forced uh, to upgrade, and it's not about making you upgrade to new hardware. It's about just keeping you that loyal customer, like in that ecosystem. That's 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 so much, you know, keeping you subscribed to Game Pass. That like that is gold. Like that is what we wanted. That's what you want to do. Like you want to keep that customer engaged, whether they have an Xbox One, and only only once the Xbox One X essentially, like you know, when when that becomes like completely untenable as a piece of hardware, they'll kind of shift people over, but. But not a moment before, I guess.
0: Yeah, uh, Thean Benton Filuane. Sorry, Thean, for blowing your name. Uh, says hello there. I'm about to come into possession of a PS5, and was wondering what is the best game to introduce me to the true quote unquote next gen experience. Good question. What, the what one that's on to? the
2: console. Just uh Astrobot? Astros Player. Yeah. Astro Astros Playroom, right? Yeah. Yeah,
0: sorry. I always get those names yeah. confused. Mm. I, um, I mean, yeah. genuinely,
2: I think that's a great boot up the PS5 and just play that. You don't have to beat it in one yeah. sitting or anything, but just like play it for like an hour. And then then you can go check out, you know, Last but- of Us Remake or whatever you want.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think my answer is still probably Ratchet and Clank. Like, I don't think it blew me mm. away as much as I was hoping, but in terms of like a current-gen exclusive, I think that's still maybe the coolest to just soak in. I mean, your precious Returnal, Kyle. Yeah, but,
2: Returnal, yeah. But
0: I don't know if that's like, wow, look at this hardware level. I mean, it's a great-looking game, but...
2: Yeah. 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 I agree with you there, yeah. yeah. I think Ratchet is the more show offy game. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. I don't know. what What is on the horizon for Sony that's going to be the, like, wowza? Because, I mean, God of War split-gen, I don't even think that one... It's gonna look good again, no doubt, but I don't think it's gonna be the unbelievable choice even horizon like again it looks amazing but it's not like it's literally capable of running on a launch ps4 you know
4: yeah i don't i don't think i don't know if there's gonna i don't know if that's how people are going to buy consoles anymore, you know, Mm -hmm. based on like, oh, look, there's this extremely noticeable graphical improvement from the last iteration. I think it's more going to be like, if you're looking at it from the perspective of like, I had an Xbox one X, what does the game look like on Xbox series X? It's, it's, it's not going to be as much of a leap. It's really going to be about like, I have an Xbox one or I had, you know, not that anybody has a PS three, you know what I mean? But it's going to be like, if people are, people are going to wait, it's like, you know, with, with phones again, like, yep, yep. I understand that like the next iPhone, the graphics are marginally better, but it's like, I'm going to wait like three years until I feel like, Oh, okay. It's, it's really time for me to upgrade my old clunky phone to the new phone that it, it'll be, it, I, I feel like we just got to get to this point where it's like less necessary for a player to constantly be buying that new hardware.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, people watching us live, Forrest Hollingsworth, suggests Final Fantasy XVI as like the next... PlayStation exclusive um, that's going to wow yeah. people. That that could be. I think it, again, I think that's a good looking game. I just think it's been in development for so long. I don't know if it's going to be the the wow showstopper. But uh, Tokyo Game Life says Heyman Max for games that need to be remade. Uh, Panzer Dragoon Saga immediately comes to mind. Mm. That's a great mm-hmm. choice. Oh, Saga mm-hmm. specifically. Yeah. Uh, last yep. Yep. Last yep. Archer wants to see a rock band remake with like a deeper campaign. That's an interesting choice. Uh, Alexi wants to go with Sly Cooper. Virgil B says my top five games that need remakes. Power Stone, Mega Man Legends, Sonic Adventure, The Bouncer, and God Hand. The Bouncer. <laughs> Honorable Mention, Harvest Moon, Friends of Mineral Town. I feel like I understand you on a visceral level, Virgil. I know what type of gamer you are, and I like you. <laughs> yeah, Mega did Man they Legends. Did not
2: redo Friends of Mineral Town recently? I don't think so. They Maybe they some named Harvest. something that it was connected like to it. was a Friends of some, to some other town.
0: Okay. Yeah, there's a lot something. of Friends. Um, Mega Man Legends, the remake, would be interesting because I love those games, but I feel like that janky polygonal PS1 look is so intrinsic to the vibe that like if it was just a great looking <clears throat> version of Mega Man Volnut running around, I don't know. I don't think it would feel like Mega Man Legends, you know? It's a tough one. Oh,
4: Polly is really in right now, yep. so I'd love to yep. see them just simply bring it back. I think I think you do Mega Man Legends with with quality of life improvements, basically. Yes. Like you, you just make it so it's less janky to play it. Um and then I think that the the visual style just that just works
0: i think you're right uh james pies writes in and says hey uh two of my favorite games of all time that could really use remakes are star wars knights of the old republic and prince of persia sands of time sounds like a slam dunk doesn't it what could go wrong you little stinker ouch and then james says thanks for being the best competitor to quote hideo kojima presents brain structure (laughs) that's how we see ourselves as a podcast is just a competitor for hideo kojima's brain structure Take him down. Yeah, Garrett Waynestock says remake Billy Hatcher Dark Summit. Oh boy, Dark I like the sequel. Dark. I have not thought about. No, Dark Summit is that separate snowboarding oh, game.
2: Yes, yes. I okay. I remember. Although that, I yes. do
0: like your fan theory kyle of billy hatcher colon, dark summit i would like to play that i, was like, I thought there
2: was only one billy hatcher game i don't remember uh, dark Summit. okay
0: uh and then geist and lost kingdoms i'm surprised billy hatcher hasn't come back as like a mobile game or something it feels like it's mm-hmm. there needs to be some way to lean into that but i think eugene he is ball? Just,
2: he's probably monkey ball right you yeah
0: probably uh dominic pageli uh says how about instead of a game remake how about instead of game remakes that usually improve the graphics, I'd like to see a remake tackle a game that had serious potential but was hindered by significant performance issues. One that, come, one that comes to mind is Kingdom Come Deliverance, a game I'd love to love. Jeff, remember when you reviewed that? I
3: do remember that. <laughs> that was a weird
0: one. Uh, Fred, DeNovo, a Fred DeNovo. Fred DeNovo won Silent Hill 2 and 3, naturally. Uh, Mick Monka here. It's the ultimate video game Wild West standoff. I don't know if y'all have heard about this. The first game to get released is the quickest gun in the West. Okay, there's a lot of lore here. So it's up to the Minmax crew as the sheriffs of gaming to be the judge and declare the winner. So ultimately the question is, which of these games is going to release first?
2: Oh, Okay, here we go. Hey, Anthony, this is, this is just uh, too stressful for me. So I'm, af- I'm afraid I have to duck out early. What are you talking about? I got to go a little early today. I'm sorry, it's a long episode and I, I can't uh, take this game. It's just, it's too intense. So you guys right. are going to have to play without me. Okay, bye Kyle. Lovely meeting Bye you guys. Thanks for coming nice on. To meet you. See you guys. Lovely as always. Ben, I'll see you next week.
0: Okay, cool. Bye. All right. So which of these games is releasing first? Mother Three in the US, huh. Half Life Three, Beyond Good and Evil Two, Star Citizen, or the final part of the Final Fantasy VII remake? Which game will oh, actually? Oh, so this
3: is a fantasy <laughs> game. Oh. <Okay. laughs>
4: oh, this no. Uh, I'm gonna say the final part of the Final Fantasy VII remake because I think they're like that. That that's something that's like actually like mm-hmm. being worked towards like at this moment. Yeah,
0: I could see. Yeah, 2030 that happening. If, if you had to, if you had to bet money though, Chris, do you feel like rest of your life, Mother 3 will never be released in the United States? It won't get a remake, anything fancy no. like that
4: how how long is How long are we saying i 'm going to live? because I think that uh, I, I think that eventually it will be yeah. um, I think it 's just a matter of when and I th- but I mean that I'm, that might be like it might be ten or twenty years from now or something like that you know mm. i don 't really know you know when i I feel like eventually uh, there there will be some official release, and I think it would probably end up being dovetailed with. If um if it were to get a deluxe re-release or something like that in Japan, you know, or if there was Ooh, some movement yeah. to you know collect all the games together into a physical release in Japan or something like that, then then you can say, oh, okay, well, well you know we'll localize that. But I mean, at this point, there's nothing there's nothing to release because Mother Three isn't even it's not even it's not even so so much as uh, available on you know uh, Switch or Nintendo Switch Online in Japan or anything like that. because There's no Game Boy Advance,
0: yeah, know, yeah,
4: anything. So, but I think that I I, I do think that they're the final i mean the final fantasy 7 remake project like now that that's rolling I, I think we'll we'll see them finish that up uh you know
0: but realistically that's gonna know. be like 2030 and i know everyone likes to make jokes but star citizen i feel like is probably launching before that whatever the what hell constitutes,
4: it is what constitutes a launch yeah. for star citizen though they'd have to frame at
0: it this, as 1.0 at- i guess <laughs> or oh, have, okay, have okay. some big event I don't know I don't know what that would even look like you're right that is tough like what why would why would they ever declare yeah, what, a starting what's, line what's why the would they motivation why launch it they're, right, <laughs> they're,
3: right. when, they're,
4: when they're making so much money it's like what's even the what's even the point I think we're 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 like we're looking at like we're asking oh when are they gonna launch it and it's just sort of like for all the people that are sort of already you know playing it and deep into it it's just sort of like I don't think they even <laughs> the, yeah. the the expectations are, are completely different
0: yeah totally yeah. agree Uh, Shane C. writes in and says, hey, sorry if this is more of a -a get-a-load-of-this-type submission than a question, but uh, kind of funny, Snowbike Mike's helium intro... uh, Sorry, there's a lot of lore here, Chris. Sorry to confuse you. His helium (laughs) intro jogs something in my memory. Have you ever heard the audio recording of President Lyndon Johnson talking to the commander of the original C-Lab? For science-y, pressure-related reasons, the atmosphere in the C-Lab used helium instead of nitrogen. So the scientists aboard sounded like they just inhaled a helium balloon at all times. Hearing the president of the United States have a serious conversation with a man loaded up on helium is very interesting. Um, I have a clip. There's This is three minutes in to this recording. You can find it on YouTube here. And so it's three minutes of them being like, okay, patching it through. Do we have clear? Are the comms working? Do we have communication with astronaut Scott Carpenter? Um, and then it's just the operators and everybody being like, "Ah." Uh, I don't think the comms are good. Something is going wrong, but they just cannot wrap their minds around how effed up this guy sounds. The fact that he's sucking helium uh, in this underwater sea lab. So here's here's uh, a bit here. A
3: synthetic
0: helium gas. Atmosphere. Atmosphere. Yes, and it makes his voice sound horrible to hear. you are trying to
4: explain pitch. it. Oh, I see. Okay, wait a minute, then we'll try it. <laughs> is it going to go on the line <laughs> <laughs> now
1: while Peter? Yes, he's okay. Scott, I wonder if anybody understands this. <laughs> Well, I don't know.
2: The operator said that she knew uh, what I was uh, trying to tell her, but apparently she didn't. Oh. Well,
4: we just sit tight and see. All right. Read watch Scott, do you
3: read me or?
4: Yes, sir, Mr. President. Over, loud and clear. How me? Fine. Well, Scott, I'm mighty glad to hear from you. You've convinced me and all the nation that whether you're going up or down, you have the courage and the skill to do a fine job. Well, thank you very much. There were a lot of other You get the idea.
0: Do you think (laughs) they gave President Johnson a heads up on what was going to happen there? Or do you think he was just rolling with the sound of whatever this guy's voice was?
4: I have no idea what was even going on in this <laughs> book. I have to be honest with you. <laughs> yep. No one I, I, does. Tried, I tried to pay attention, but I wasn't, just wasn't able
0: to. I get it. Look, look, Chris, I get it. You are personifying everybody listening to this podcast saying, what am I listening to at this moment? Um, including these parts, uh, Ricky Winterborne writes in and says, hey, missed joke opportunity, everybody. Uh, last week, Leo said, I saw them shooting the film A Serious Man. And Ben should have said, oh, really? When he should have said, are you serious, man? That's a great point. That is a mis-joke opportunity. Uh, Nick from Atlanta writes in and says, Hey, miss joke opportunity in the podcast last week when talking about a Pokemon game set in Minnesota. Janet said Pokemon Minnesota would be the one nobody wants. But nobody mentioned that you should have called them Pokemon Minneapolis and Pokemon St. Paul for the two versions. Yeah, we blew it. We blew <laughs> nice. it and we apologize uh, for our sins. Um, let's see. People want remakes. People want remakes of Fallout 1 and 2. People want a remake of Seaman in 2022. People want to remake, Lord Sturton here wants a remake of Eternal Darkness, uh, the original Paper Mario, and then all of Factor Five Star Wars games. Absolutely, we're with you. And then John Killslayer Skovic writes in and says, Hey, MinMaxers, and welcome, Chris Kohler. Uh, John has an announcement here. Uh, They say, for the whole month of September, we wanted everybody to know that the MinMax community will be having its first ever community game jam called MinHacks. A game jam is where teams and individuals get together to try and make cool little indie games and prototypes and learn along the way. This jam is not a competition and it's open to absolutely anyone of any skill level and any platforms and mediums. You can even make a board game, Jeffem. You can make a game in Dreams. You can make the next AAA Unreal game. When this podcast goes live on September 1st, the jam will Will be underway but that doesn't mean you're too late to sign up find more info including finding a team form. oh including the find a team form on the minmax discords minhacks game jam channel additionally we have a special treat for minmax show listeners the exclusive reveal of the theme for this year's game jam it is uh dremel Jeffum. the theme is getting better Make a story game about becoming a better person, an RPG about getting stronger, a high-score chase game, a business management sim, or anything else you can dream up. We look forward to seeing you all in the MinMax Discord in September for the first official MinMax Game Jam. So good luck to everybody. They say turnout's already been exciting, and it's going to be really exciting to see what people churn out by the end of this thing. So again, jump in the Discord, and you can find the home there and find a team, and no skill-level barrier. Jump in, please. All right. All right. That's it, uh, Chris. You're paying attention. What do you like for a question of the week?
4: Um. Oh boy. Oh boy. That was a lot of questions. It was. Um, it I was. Think We had a really. I think. I think that we had a good discussion uh, off of the sort of out of left field, but still sort of um, you know uh, on topic uh, question of favorite animated show as a kid mm-hmm. and, and does it hold up. So yep. I, think that, I think that engendered some good discussion. I like the, the, the sort of connection to the Ninja Turtles. There we so go. I'm of gonna course. say
0: that's the one. There we go, Nick S., otherwise known as Biscuit. Congratulations, you are getting a prize from I Am 8-Bit. They'll ship it out, we'll reach out to you and get your address and all that fun stuff. Um, and now it's time for a little segment that we like to call, get a load of this, everybody. All right, Chris. We got little factoids, things to share. They can be very boring. They can be as boring as Jeffum's here. If you want to toss one out there, Jeffum, show him how it's done.
3: Yeah, you guys do. You guys do it first.
4: Okay, yeah.
0: great.
3: Uh, well, this one's very Minnesota specific, but uh, get a load of this. This is a news article, an MN business news article that says Chris Lindahl tra- files trademark for his iconic arms out pose.
0: Oh my god! Um,
3: apparently, he he is trademarking it but hes he's the uh, trademark says it describes it as a depiction of a human shown from the chest up smiling and looking straight ahead with arms outstretched. Slightly higher than perpendicular to the torso and fingers splayed.
0: That is as disgusting um, as like trademarking the nemesis system is this stupid real estate agent's stupid pose it is, from Minnesota Billboard.
3: There's good news because oh. he says in a statement, uh, We're excited about applying to register the arms out quote unquote symbol as a trademark for our real estate and related services. Our big goal here is to protect our brand for our team and our clients, of course. And he says, don't worry, Ben. This is not about us trying to stop the general right. public from holding their arms out or doing the pose.
0: Come at so, me, Chris. Yep, uh, you're fantastic. Still, you're still good. Uh, hey, get a load of this, everybody. Um, I think this was either in Reggie's book or the Awada Ass book. I forget where, but it was really interesting hearing it brought up on the Kit and Krista podcast, which I'm a fan of. They're friends of ours, all that stuff. Um, but they were talking on the most recent episode of that podcast about how strangely serious it is within Nintendo, these rules that you can't call anything a surprise and you can't call anything a success, that those two words within Nintendo corporate are very much frowned upon because if you call it a surprise, expectations are going to go wild. And uh, apparently Japan hates anything being called a surprise because it's a very specific terminology in their mind of when it can actually delight people. And apparently this comes from Iwata, the idea of like, it seemed like he had the message of don't call yourself a success. Don't call things a success because that's the first thing that you'll say before everything crumbles Um, and just keep working is kind of his overall message. And apparently it's got to the point of in like Nintendo meetings and stuff, if you had some event over the weekend, you're like, "Yeah, it was pretty successful," and you kind of moved on. Like even that, I guess, is like weird corporate taboo that everyone's like, Gasp! "Like it's like you just swore is and the way that a they describe and it." Your
3: chair falls. <laughs> it
0: really seemed that way based on the way they described it. It was uh, horrifying to hear. Um, Chris, what do you got, man?
4: Uh, I don't have anything. I'm sorry. No. I didn't learn anything this week. I'm sorry. No, oh. you give, us, I, yeah. give us like I, a factoid
0: you know. about the turtles. You must have learned some little tidbit. That oh my gosh.
4: Oh, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Okay. Um. Okay. What is something really interesting? Okay. Get a load of this. Yeah. Um, You know what? This is actually, you know, it's funny because I was thinking about this because we were out at, we were at a comic con, um, you know, showing Cowabunga collection in San Diego we had uh, Kevin Eastman there as well. So we did our panel um, with, with Kevin Eastman and talked, you know, showed off all the games. And, and we said to ourselves secretly if somebody asks a really good question, um, we're going to give them a signed poster that we had hidden. And so during the panel, um, a girl came up uh, and asked about um, uh, this one character in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Tournament Fighters. And she said, Hey, there's always been this rumor that Asuka in, in Tournament Fighters uh, was originally going to be based on Mitsu, who is this character from the Ninja Turtles movie, the Ninja Turtles movie three. Okay. Um, is there any, um, you know, uh, uh, truth to that rumor? And we were able to say, and you can actually find out for yourself, if you go into the design documents, you know, in Kawabunga uh, Collection, look, in, look through the design documents for SNES Tournament Fighters. You will see documents in which the character of Asuka is originally referred to as Mitsu.
0: There we go. So, in fact...
4: So she won the poster. She asked a very, very good question. And yes, we finally can reveal, um, you know, uh, that uh, it is absolutely the truth based on these design documents that that character was originally based on the character from the movie, but was but was changed essentially, you know, down the line. So there's it. a there's a fun piece of, of Turtles trivia for you. That was something I learned a long time ago, but people, I guess, only found out on Tuesday. So
0: Oh, that that's awesome. Unearthing nice. history. That's great. Uh, all right. Thank you so much, everybody, for watching or listening to this episode of the min Max. Show podcast. If you enjoy this content, if you enjoy all of Minmax's content, you can help support it directly by going to patreon.com slash Minmax with two ends. Uh, you can unlock the nearly three-hour version of our travelogue touring Minneapolis with Janet Garcia and Sarah Buzorski and Leo and Jeffums there and Jeff Cork and Joe Juba and Elise Favis and a bunch of other folks make a surprise appearance on a Diaz. So I hope you enjoy that travel log. Even the public version on YouTube, any help sharing, it's appreciated. Um also we just had an interview go up on Monday with Jim Ornell, who is an old, uh, I say old, he's a young man, but uh, he's a logo designer, a graphic designer within Nintendo. He left a while ago, but he designed the logo for Animal Crossing, Metroid Prime, Advance Wars, uh, Wind Waker, a ton of stuff from that kind of GameCube GBA era. And so that interview is with him and Corey Schmitz, who's one of the most prolific logo designers these days in the game industry. So it's those two talking logo design. So if you're interested in that, you can always check that out on our YouTube channel or unlock the podcast version of that in the bonus podcast feed any help supporting what we're doing here is appreciated and jeff just so you know uh people have been trying to figure out the mystery based on our clues last week of what game we're tackling next for the deepest dive because chris we have like this whole game club series where we encourage everybody to play along with us then we break a game into sections and have like the best most thorough discussion with these games on the internet is the way we like to bill it um and last week we said it was going to be the oldest game we've ever done for any game club or deepest dive, it is a genre we've never tackled before. It's going to be lightly relevant. Do you have any guesses, Jeffem? I know what it is. <laughs> yeah, that's true. All right, what we're tackling for, <laughs> the deepest dive, everybody. Drumroll, Jeffem, give it to us. Here we go. The next, no, but like be excited about the drumroll, Jeffem. The next deepest dive, ladies and gentlemen, is Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Have you played that game, Chris?
4: I have not played. I've played so many of those games, including the Indiana Jones uh, Last Crusade graphic adventure. And I keep meaning to start Fate of Atlantis and I haven't started it yet.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, here's an opportunity if you want to play through with us. We're breaking the game up into two sections. The first discussion will be happening on Monday, September 12th, and then the second will be happening on Monday, September 19th. It's roughly a seven-hour game, old adventure game. It's available for dirt cheap on Steam. It does technically run on a Steam deck, which is great, but it's... It's an old file up there on Steam, so it's a little bit of a clunker to get rolling, but you can do it. The game is from 1992. It's an old adventure game that I've, my entire life, I've heard people be like, oh, it's actually one of indie's better adventures. It's better than Temple of Doom. Like People are very into Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis, so I can't wait to unpack that experience. I think it's going to be an interesting one to, to have an adventure game for the deepest dive. Uh, so please join us for that adventure. It should be a wonderful time. We're going to try, well... The cast is still 100% being locked down, but Leo Vader is for sure in, and then we're going to get other folks as well, and there might even be an extra bonus on top of that. So play along with us, and then submit your thoughts. And the reason we're doing this is because I've always wanted to play it. None of us have ever played it. Um, And then also, it seems like they're going to announce and reveal the first big trailer for the fifth Indiana Jones movie at D23. So this is going to be the weekend after that hit. So hopefully, because... Uh, the trailer, it seemed like was hinted at in a podcast recently. It's going to be the same editor as the person who directed or edited the uh, Black Panther Wakanda forever trailer, which uh, if you recall, it rocked the internet. It was such an amazing trailer. So I would put money on the idea of this first Indiana Jones five trailer, like, blowing people away and getting people very much in indiana jones mood so let's try and capitalize on that by playing through indiana jones and the fate of atlantis together um shazira is asking live with the backstage past here are you announcing this on twitter today too no we'll save that for when we have like the reveal video and, and the cast lockdown and all that stuff but just so you know coming up in early september play through it with us um all right chris thank you so much for being here sir appreciate it yeah thank you for having me it was a lot of fun yeah um if people want to follow you your work where do you recommend they go um, so I'm
4: on Twitter as Kobunheat. K-O-B-U-N-H-E-A-T is my Twitter handle. Um, you know, hit up DigitalEclipse.com to see, you know, what it is we've been working on and, um... That's those are good. Those are good places to start.
0: Awesome, love it. Uh, thank you, everybody, for watching and listening. And thanks to everybody who supports MinMax at the fifty dollars tier, otherwise known as the Game Champion tier. Even just for one month, we're going to have new games coming up next episode that are refreshing here. But you should know that officially, the Game Champion of Viva Pinata is Nick Philo. Good job, Nick, locking it in. Zachary Pliggy chose once again Superman 64 to be the game champion of, for some reason, Spider-Dan has chosen Illusion of Gaia again. They're officially the champions of those games. A lot of great choices. And we should mention that, um, you know, we had that poll... Uh, of former game champions for the last several months and uh, Legends of Zelda Wind Waker won that poll which led to this interview with Jim Warrenell and Corey Schmidt so that is how that content is moving forward and we're having another piece of bonus Wind Waker content as well coming up soon so look alive for that so thanks to Otsigo 12 for being the game champion of Wind Waker and making all that stuff happen alright that's it for this long episode everybody appreciate your support be good have fun let's go